Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Yeah, for Florida, it's still pretty cold out there. In fact, we have, uh, we're expecting 20 degrees uh, later on this week, so it's not going to be fun. So right over Christmas, it's going to be absolutely freezing here, so uh, possible snow. We might actually get a white Christmas in Florida, and I don't mean just the white sandy beaches, but uh, the actual uh, land out there. So that's going to be interesting uh, to see. Uh, I've been sort of tossing around whether to do shows next week. Probably. I think I'm going to. I don't know how long they'll be. I don't know, you know how many of our regular reporters will be around. Obviously, if someone's you know, taken off with family, I don't expect them to be here. But if you are here, or if you want to be a first-time caller, that, that's a great time to do it um, because everybody else is doing reruns and they're taking the week off. But I, you know, I really like what I do here. So this, this, I don't need a holiday from, from my holiday because this is kind of like my holiday, even though it's, uh, it's, it's a ton of work, but it's really fun to do. So today's very special. Uh, we have Loy Brunson, who's going to join us in the second hour. Uh, so I started the show an hour late today. That will give him time. And if there's a little bit of overflow, uh, if we're lucky enough to have them longer, uh, then great. I also have uh, uh, Diane Warner, who is our, our new superstar election integrity reporter, who will be uh, you know, asking Lloyd most of the questions. Uh, I'll do some stuff. And, of course, callers are welcome to call in. And you're welcome to use our live chat function. So if you look at the bottom of your broadcast page, you will see where it says live chat. In live chat, you just get yourself a free account, and then you can type in from anywhere in the world. And uh, the only problem is for you folks that are in you know, distant time zones, uh, it's a little hard to get up in the middle of the, the night to you know, text us here. But uh, I have my email, greg at writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com, and you can get me that way. And also, uh, what else we got? We got the, uh, the Skype line. So if you're awake during our broadcast hours, you can call the show on the Skype over, over the Internet. And the Skype code for that is also on our broadcast page. So this is going to be one of those, you know, I don't know what's going to happen yet, but it's going to be really fun. And, and, and Lloyd Brunson, I'll give you a quick summary. Uh, he and, and there's this, this four brothers, and there's two lawsuits. One, Raylan uh, Brunson brought one suit that uh, I think is actually getting further than the one that, that Lloyd's bringing. But they both started in Utah, and they're from Ogden, Utah, and went to the Supreme Court. And what they're saying is that the, uh, um, the oath that the, the House and the Senate, uh, the Congress takes, and the oath that, the, uh, that a real president and a real vice president would you know, take, other than the, the coup that we have now, um, you know, compels them to actually honor that oath. In other words, and if they don't live up to it, that that's sacred, that it actually becomes you know, a binding contract when they take the oath to support and defend the Constitution. And the primary, uh, one of the primary duties, of course, is that our elections are, are honest and fair and conducted properly, you know, according to the Constitution uh, and the state constitutions, and they're done, you know, by the state legislatures. And when that's not done, then Congress has a duty, as do the states uh, and the whole judiciary, uh, and the executive. Everybody has a duty to investigate where the election fraud is and do something about it. That's part of their oath of office. And so what the Brunsons are saying is that Congress, uh, 388 of them plus uh, the current occupant and the VP office and the, and the White House didn't do that. Well, of course, the VP and the president didn't, you know, the person occupying the White House didn't do that because they're part of the coup. <laughs> so, so this would be like accessories. So what they're saying is Congress are accessories. They may not have actively participated in the coup, but they still have the duty to investigate what the coup did. Okay, so the, just to just make it really clear for anybody that this is your first show or, or you're, you're catching this because Lloyd's on the show, let me make it very clear. We absolutely know that the 2020 election was stolen. 
There is no question in my mind. Uh, maybe, you know, some of our callers and things, but as far as I'm concerned, it was stolen. How do I know that? Because I've seen the evidence. I've seen the video. I've watched the videotapes. I've seen the testimony of uh, Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis in multiple state hearings. I watched the Arizona audit. I saw the, the entire videotape of the results of the Arizona audit, and I am convinced, absolutely 100%, there isn't a shred of doubt in my mind that the 2020 election was stolen. Given that, we have an illegal government. So anything that that government does is also illegal. Any executive order is illegal. Any act of Congress signed by the occupant of the White House is illegal because they can't be there. Any commander-in-chief dictates anything over the military is illegal because the person in the White House is not the legitimate president. So what fascinates me about this so much is, is uh, A, that a coup happened in the United States of America. Um, secondly, that nobody's doing anything really about it, and that uh, the Supreme Court, which is duty-bound, constitutionally bound to have taken the Texas case and reviewed the Pennsylvania Supreme Court case on the election, didn't do it. It's very clear in Article 3 that uh, disputes between states and people with states uh, and, and state courts versus state legislatures, you know, those, that's appellate jurisdiction for the Supreme Court, the state issue. But the Texas case was brought directly to the Supreme Court because it was a dispute between states. They, the courts are mandated to take that by Article 3. No one else can take it, but that's not the point. The point is that they are constitutionally mandated to take that case, and they didn't do it. So I don't know if that's going to figure into this or not. I'm going to go over those cases in a little bit. I've got Pianchi in the line. I'm going to bring him on now and uh, see if he has an initial comment. Then I'll get through some, uh, a bunch of articles this morning uh, in the first hour before, the, before Loy uh, and Diane get here, and we'll see what's going on. Pianchi. Got some comments on, uh, on, on, I don't know if you know about this case. We've talked about it before on the show or just anything regarding the entire election uh, fraud issue. Well, yeah, I know about it. <laughs> um, we're just waiting to see what happens. Yeah. You know, some things that I don't understand, of course, getting involved anyway, but uh, mm -hmm. I know about this case, and I think that the courts is going to tell them to go back to the states is what I think. Yeah, and uh, see, so this was happening January 6th. So they're not hearing the case January 6th. They're deciding, they're deciding whether or not they're going to hear the case on January 6th. What I think is so fascinating, and this is happening on January oh, 6th. So you're saying that they're deciding whether they're going to hear right. the case that's coming out of committee? No, it's not a committee. No, this is, this is directly to the Supreme Court. So the, I'll give you the history of it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go over that. And I got an article here, and then I'll go over the timeline and, and some other things, and it'll make it a lot clearer as to what's going on. So let me get started on that and just jump in whenever you uh, have a question or, or something interests you. And anybody else is welcome to do that too. Call in 215-383-3832 or live chat, and that's the best to reach me. And unfortunately, I don't check the live chat as often as I should. <laughs> I will try to do that, but um, that'll be a lot easier to do when we get a, a person helping me out here, uh, screening calls and checking live chat all the time. All right, let me get started. So the first one is from Citizen News, Brunson v. Alma S. Adams et al. So I imagine Alma Adams is the person arguing for the deep state uh, in this case. It says, action against 388 federal officers who refused 10-day delay in electoral vote count, active treason, and fraud by respondents. So in other words, what, what they were asked to do was to, uh, was to hold off a little bit, hold off a bit, uh, on uh, certifying the electors, or at least uh, holding the electoral vote count until they could establish whether the, the uh, vote was legitimate or not. And they didn't do that. <laughs> so here's what it is. This is from Citizen Wells, who obviously wants to remain uh, anonymous. Brunson v. Alma Adams et al. Uh, let's see. Okay, so this is a petition for a writ of certiorari. 
And that's C-E-R-T-I-O-R-A-R-I. That means they're going to take the case. So a writ of certiorari means that the Supreme Court, you know, has jurisdiction. They've determined standing, which is a bogus issue I'll tell you about. uh, And they're going to take the case. That's really what it means. So the statement of the case is this action is what we have here from Citizen Youth. This action is against 388 federal officers in their official capacities, which include, and it says here, I'll give their full names only because the, the, the article does, President Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., Vice President Kamala Harris, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, and former Vice President Michael Richard Pence. Those are known as the respondents. All the respondents have taken the required oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And as such, they are liable for the consequences when they violate the oath of office. That's the basis of the case. They are liable for not upholding their oath. They are liable. They swore an oath. That is a binding oath. That's not just a whim. That's not just an exercise in futility. It's not just a formality. The oath of office is binding. And that's what they're saying here. And if they don't fill their oath of office, then, they, then, it's, uh, then they're liable for the consequences of not fulfilling their oath of office. Now, this is murky legal ground because anybody can say anything. You know, some leftists can say, well, you didn't, uh, you know, health care is a right and you didn't give everybody health care. Therefore, you violated your, your oath of office uh, to support the general welfare, even though that's a complete misconstruing of what the general welfare clause is. You know, the leftists could bring that case. In fact, I think they do, actually. <laughs> but uh, so this is interesting ground. So we're going to be watching. We're going to ask uh, Loy some questions uh, and see exactly, you know, where they think this is going to go. Next paragraph. Respondents were properly warned and were requested to make an investigation into highly covert, swift and powerful uh, into a highly covert, swift and powerful enemy, as stated below, seeking to destroy the Constitution of the United States, the Constitution, excuse me, and the United States, purposely thwarted all efforts to investigate this, whereupon this enemy was not checked or investigated. Therefore, the respondents cared to this enemy. Because of respondents' intentional refusal to investigate this enemy, petitioner Rayland J. Brunson brought this action against respondents, those are the folks above, because he was seriously personally damaged and violated by this action of respondents. And consequently, this action unilaterally violated the rights of every citizen of the USA and perhaps the rights of every person living and all courts of law. That's a pretty big statement. Now, you would think that of all the members of Congress, including the gilding old party, that uh, of all the state legislatures, of all the state courts, up to the state Supreme Courts, of all the local governments, city governments, county governments, every uh, jurisdiction all the way from, uh, from the president on down to the school board, you'd think that some of these government entities would have brought this lawsuit. But they didn't. Rayland and Lloyd Brunson did. Now, I didn't even know you could do this. This is fascinating to me. All right? I had no idea you could sue on behalf of yourself for your own personal rights being violated and take that up to the President of the United States. That's what makes this a great country. This is a fascinating case. And again, we're going to hear more about it as we go. So let me read this again because this is really critical. Respondents. Oh, he says the Brunsons, actually there's two of them, brought this action against respondents because he was, well, actually Raylan Brunson, said he was seriously personally damaged and violated by this action. Okay, so that's an interesting thing. So how are you going to establish that you were personally violated by a coup d'etat? Well, I would argue that everything that that president and Congress do uh, and the judiciary does as a, as, a, as a coup d'etat, as an illegal government, you know, because they control so much of our lives, we're all being violated by that. And that's why they say every citizen is being violated, because every decision that the coup makes is illegal. And every, every enforcement of that decision is also illegal. So everything they do is illegal. 
uh, the fact that the border is open is illegal. It was illegal anyway, but it's certainly illegal because the coup, you know, uh, has an oath to support the Constitution. It's kind of ironic that we're trying to hold people accountable who are who are treasonous criminals uh, to an oath of office as if they were law-abiding, you know, honorable people who actually won the election. That's fascinating, and I wonder if that issue comes up too. So, needless to say, if the Supreme Court takes this case, and I sincerely hope they do, uh, that listening to the oral arguments, I will do that very intently, and if I can play them on the air, I will. I don't know if I can. It, it might be copyright, but it should be public information. I don't know. I'll find out. Anyway, if not, I'll just I'll put the website up so that you can all listen to it. Uh, that's going to be fascinating. Okay, back to the article. On January 6, 2021, the 117th Congress held a proceeding and debate in Washington, D.C. Proceeding was for the purpose of counting votes under the 2020 presidential election for the president and vice president of the United States under Amendment 7. Oh, excuse me, 12, Amendment 12. It says, during this proceeding, over 100 members of the U.S. Congress claimed factual evidence that the said election was rigged. Okay, so this is January 6, 21. That's the January 6, okay? That's, that's the day. <laughs> so let me start this again, just so everybody's on board. On January 6, 2021, the 117th Congress held a proceeding and debate in Washington, D.C., okay? That's what everybody calls who doesn't know what they're talking about or is trying to propagandize you. They call that the insurrection. It wasn't. It's a normal proceeding of Congress. To, to determine the electoral votes. It said the proceeding was for the purpose of counting votes under the 2020 presidential election for president and vice president. It says during this proceeding, over 100 members of Congress claimed factual evidence that the election was rigged. The refusal of the respondents, those are the 388 mentioned above, of the respondents to investigate this congressional claim, it's in parentheses, the enemy, is an act of treason and fraud by the respondents. A successfully rigged election, the same end result as an act of war. Let me say that again. A successfully rigged election has the same end result as an act of war. And that is to place power in, uh, into uh, who it says to place into power whom the victor wants, which is this case, uh, which in this case is Biden, who, if not stopped immediately, will continue to destroy the fundamental freedoms of Brunson and all U.S. citizens and courts of law. So what he's trying to determine is that he has standing. In other words, he has a claim to bring to court that he has been personally affected. And that's, what the, that's why they're using this language very specifically, because you can't bring a case you know, of injury unless you were personally injured. You can't bring a case on behalf of, of you know, the citizens of the United States. They would say that's too nebulous. You don't have standing. You know, who, who, how are you going to prove injury against all the citizens? But if he says it's personal, that he was personally injured. In fact, we all have been personally injured. Uh, in many ways. Well, look at the cost of energy. <laughs> you know, look at our foreign policy. Look at the people who have died under, under false commander-in-chief authority. Look at the entire replacement of American citizens that's going on in our southern border with illegal aliens. Okay? We have all been pers- – look at the spending, the radical spending by a, a Congress whose bills could not be signed. Because um, I bet you a bunch of people in Congress are fraudulent there too. Uh, but any, any spending bill that was signed by Brandon is illegal. And therefore, any, any well, yeah, inflation that was caused the, uh, Oh, here we go. Yeah, go ahead, Bianchi. Look at the oil well uh, pipeline suspension and the people that lost their jobs. And, mm-hmm. and subsequently, loss of jobs, loss of uh, vehicle payment, mm-hmm. and also home. Yeah, so they're personally affected. So they've been personally injured by this coup. So and that's, that, I'm sure, will come out in the case. Well, I'm really curious to see... Um, uh, t- Ted Cruz was supposed to argue the Texas case, uh, which should have gone before the Supreme Court. 
And one of you is going to argue this. I'm curious to see if the Supreme Court takes this case, which I sincerely hope they do, whether who's going to argue it. And like a Ted Cruz would be good, would be the perfect person. He's done it before. He's argued before the Supreme Court. Uh, He's a trial lawyer, you know, constitutional lawyer, the whole bit. He would make a great case. That would be fascinating. Uh, Do you have another question? Yeah, but here's the question. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. What do they what do they suspect the Supreme Court is going to tell them? I don't know. Well, we'll ask the Supreme Court I, can't tell no. the Supreme Court can't place uh, tell Brandon he's got to step down. It still has to go back to the states. Well, that's not what they're doing. They're not. They're not. This isn't a, a question what of he's doing. Yeah, but that's not. But what the are they going to get out of it? Well, see, that's that's what I want to find out too. I think if they can prove yeah. that they are liable for it, um, I think that uh, – well, that's a good question. That's, that's the number one question is to what is the result of what would the Supreme Court do? Uh, what kind of relief would they grant? Would they say, yes, you've been personally injured and say, I'm sorry? <laughs> would they say, yes, you're personally and injured and demand investigation? between $1.65 a gas and mm-hmm. whatever it went up to? Is that not yeah. what they're going to do? I don't know. I don't know if they're going to award damages. <laughs> I don't think the Supreme Court's ever done that. Are they going to award damages to us based on the coup? Supreme Court. I have no idea. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know. So this is why this is this why it's so is fascinating. New territory. Yeah, some of the best questions are the ones we can't answer. I think most of the best questions are the ones we can't answer. Let me continue on here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, due to the fact that this case represents a national security breach on an unprecedented level, like never before seen. Well, that's what unprecedented means. <laughs> seriously damaged and violating Brunson and coincidentally every, affects every citizen of the USA and courts of law. Therefore, Brunson moves this court. Excuse, i got to take a quick break here for a second. Let me just mute myself. Okay, that's better. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, anyway, whoop, let me get my court case back. Yeah, there we go. Due to the fact that this case represents a national security breach on an unprecedented level, uh, damage, seriously damaging and violating Brunson and coincidentally every citizen of the United States, and courts of law. Therefore, Brunson moves this court to grant this petition or to, in the alternative, without continuing further, order the trial court to grant Brunson's complaint in its fullest. Brunson, Brunson's complaint is the mechanism that can immediately remove the respondents from office without leaving this country vulnerable without a president and vice president. So that's what they want to do. So, that, so the, what they're asking for is that, uh, and I had forgotten this, so it's, uh, this is why I like to have these sources here. What they're asking for is that the 388 members of Congress and maybe, I don't know, the VP or, or the, uh, the current occupant, you know, the White House themselves, uh, whether they're going to be involved in this or not. I think they are. I think they're respondents. So he's calling for, for Mike Pence, who's already out, um, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, and the 308 mem- and, the, and, up, and the other members up to that 388, that they be removed from office for, for violating their oath of office. That's what they're asking for. And yes, that's never been done. That is unprecedented. And so let's find out. That's, that's what they're going for. And so if those people were removed, of course, then we'd have new elections or appointments by the state legislatures as they determine. Uh, and it would be very interesting to see uh, how that turns out. But that's what they're asking for, that those people be removed from office for violating their oath. Last paragraph. Despite this grave import- the, the grave importance of this case, the trial court granted respondents motion to dismiss by stating it is ordered and adjudged that plaintiff Ralph Brunson's action is dismissed without prejudice. This order followed the trial court's order to adopt its report and recommendation that Brunson did not get until close, uh, close to the beginning of October 2022, which was a couple months ago, thus prejudicing Brunson from timely filing any objections, and the order did not properly address Brunson's opposition to the motion. Okay, that's a bunch of legal stuff. Um, 
Brunson's opposition clearly shows that Brunson has standing. So the trial courts, this, is, this has been in trial court for a while. This started, uh, I think, a couple of years ago. They first brought this case. And it was stalled and it was held up. And so what these folks are arguing is that because it was stalled and held up, they couldn't make a timely response. It's really a fascinating case. So let me see. Let me move to another. Uh, I've got that one. Yeah. Hold off on that one. Let me get to, because I always think I can cover more articles, <clears throat> excuse me, than I actually do. So let me see. Let me go. Here's something bigger, please. So let me see if you have any questions, Pianchi, at this time before I commence another article. No, no questions. Okay. You sound like Perry Mason. No questions, Your Honor. <laughs> this is fun. So this is a website um, called uh, The Truth Behind the Narrative, and they've got a mask, you know, with a circle and a line through it, the international sign for, for prohibited. Uh, it says, uh, make truth free again. Anyway, so it says U.S. Supreme Court to finally hear election fraud case. And this is November 29th. So this is just last month. Andrew Paquette from Red Voice Media. And he wrote this November 27th. So Andrew Paquette, P-A-Q-U-E-T-T-E, uh, and is appearing in the Truth Behind the Narrative website. This is, well, I'll just read it. He says, in a world of conflicting opinions, authority is essential to getting anything done. We exercise authority over our children as parents over our diet when shopping for food, over our money, our health care, over subordinates at work, if we have any, our pets, and in many other situations, we similarly cede authority to others for mutual or individual benefit. Parents, teachers, doctors, firemen, plumbers, law enforcement, commanding officers, judges, etc., etc. The key to authority is that it must be earned by the party who is given authority and granted by those who are subject to it. That's like my line here for, for our mission statement. You know, we the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. So we consent to let government, you know, uh, be government by the laws that we give to government. And that's essentially what that says. So their permission, their consent, you know, comes from us being the source of the laws that they use to govern us. And that's, that's – so in other words, we are governing them through our consent. And that is how the people are in charge. So that's not the situation right now. Right now the government just passes laws and does what they feel like. That's another story. All right. So this is otherwise. There is no grant of authority, thus no authority. And any attempt to pretend otherwise is liable to founder. So there is no authority right now because we have an illegal government. We have a coup. They stole the government. The government chose the government. They chose the, the worst possible person to put in the White House and implement the worst possible policies uh, guaranteed to destroy our country. That's not a legitimate government. And it's certainly not operating with the consent of the people. Back to the article. Authority can be seized. An invading army, for instance, can seize authority by force of arms, kill enough people, and resistance wanes. Authority isn't granted in these cases, but it is resisted less due to fear of harm. Authority of this type is illegitimate, prone to resistance, and always teetering on the brink of total dissolution. The moment the people subject to this type of authority perceive their own strength relative to their oppressors, the authority evaporates. This is why totalitarian states must continuously project indomitable strength to dissuade meaningful resistance. And I give you the January 6th committee, uh, something I didn't intend to get into, but that's it. That's the perfect example. Um, the, the mandates, you know, the controls, the, 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 the masks, the, the, the mass uh, injection of a gene-altering, you know, deadly and injurious uh, substance into you. Those are all totalitarian state actions for control to, mean, to make sure that you know that they are the ones in charge. That's what this is all about. Back to the article. It is possible to acquire authority by deceit, <laughs> like Votrod, in such a way that those who grant authority either do not realize they have done it or grant it to someone unintended. And that's exactly what happened. 
back to the article. This type of authority is illegitimate through the pretext devised to acquire it creates an illusion of legitimacy. Let me say that again. This type of authority is illegitimate, though the pretext devised to acquire creates an illusion of legitimacy. Article says authority via deceit is akin to a race wherein the winner takes a shortcut to arrive first. He is, grant, he is granted winner status, despite the fact that he did not run the same race as every other contestant. When this happens in sports, the person who took the shortcut has cheated. If it is discovered before awards are given, he is disqualified. If it happens after the rewards are handed out, the awards are revoked and any prizes must be returned. The victory is erased from the record books and the faux winner is disgraced. I've used that exact same analogy before, that uh, this is what happens in sports. If you cheat, you cheat before it's awarded, you're disqualified, and afterwards, you know, you got to turn your medals back in. Your status is, is gone. You're, you're taken off. I think uh, Barry Bonds and uh, there's another baseball player, uh, the home run records were disqualified because they're all on steroids. Mark, I forgot his name, big A's, you know, A's baseball players. Anyway, but that's the thing. You can't do that. I think Barry Bonds was the Giants. But yeah, until they cheated. So their records are disqualified. In the same way, the entire Democrat Party and Republican Party, too, complete, you know, uh, they're, they're, uh, they're accomplices to this as well, uh, cheated. And so, therefore, we do not have a legitimate government currently sitting uh, in the White House and in the Congress, for that matter, too. Article says, it is a fact that in American culture, deceit is repugnant. Deceit is less likely to be overlooked or, forgot or forgiven than almost anything else. The reason is that deceit is a way to infiltrate our defenses, effectively leaving us defenseless. A coward who knows he cannot overcome a strong man in a fair fight may employ deceit to disarm his opponents first, thus removing his advantage. Well, there's, there's Biden and, and Trump right there. This is what Japan tried in World War II at Pearl Harbor. They couldn't take on our Navy directly, so they attacked without declaring war. They received their reward in the years that followed. Okay, and we've disputed that, but that's, that's for another day. Article says Americans do not like cheaters, deceit, lies, cowardice, or sneaks. This is why Benedict Arnold's name is infamous in American history. He betrayed George Washington by plotting to surrender West Point to the British. The plot was discovered, forcing Arnold to defect to the British side. He then commanded British forces against the very men he once commanded on the American side. Arnold's name, by betraying his men, became synonymous with filth. Now, our country has the sad duty of dealing with recent events so rife with deceit and betrayal that there are no equivalents in history. The people who collaborated to manipulate our elections in 2020, and likely other elections besides, did so to claim authority by deceit. It appears to have been the final act in a series of similar acts that covertly seized authority in many places over time, over such offices as sheriffs, district attorneys, board of electors, mayors, etc. I would include school boards in this. Because the male factors appear to have been largely successful in their nefarious plans, most attempts to seek redress by filing grievances have been thwarted. One case may be different, and this brings us to our heroes. The petitioner is Raylan J. Brunson of Ogden, Utah. The case number 22-380 is currently under the docket to be heard by the Supreme Court of the United States, there are 388 respondents, we've been over that in the previous article, named in the case, all of whom are or were members of Congress at the time of the events described in the complaint. So, yeah, I think it includes uh, VP and, and, uh, and, you know, Prez, but I'm not sure. That's something we might clear up today. Article says the complaint is worth reading in its entirety, but it comes down to this. 
On January 6, 2021, Congress was assembled in Washington, D.C. to count votes for the 2020 presidential election. They were notified by over 100 members that there was sufficient factual evidence to justify a claim that the election was rigged. Despite this notification, the 388 named respondents refused to investigate the claim. That's basically the case there. And I restated that, even though I repeated that earlier, because it's that important. I think it's that important to, to just I, – I hear it takes uh, – you have to hear something six times before it registers and stays in your brain. <laughs> That's two. There'll be more. Article says, by refusing to investigate, the respondents adhered to the enemy and committed treason and fraud. The result of their inaction in a situation where their oath under the Constitution requires action is that authority was seized, not granted. As the complaint states, a successfully rigged election has the same end result as an act of war. And I agree. What, what would an invading army do? They would overthrow our government and take over, right? That's, what, that's, that's one of the purposes of going to war, besides stealing your resources or making a colony out of your country. You know, you, you replace, you know, the, the current government with your government. Uh, what's the difference if the election is stolen, whether it's stolen by your own government or not? I mean, the, the, the only entity big enough and powerful enough to actually steal our government is our government. <laughs> Who else can do it? You know, you can bring all the arms you want. You can bring all the war you want. You can, you can destroy every building in Washington. I'm not saying you should. But I'm just saying it, it could, you know, if, if that kind of a power, you know, came to this country and did that, we'd still have a government. You know, there's, there's a succession order. There's, there's, a, there's already contingencies for all this stuff. It's already there. I think I know who this is. Let's double check. Yeah, thought so. Let's welcome our newest superstar back to the program, who's here a day early and doing incredible work uh, behind the scenes that uh, we're not going to tell you about. Diane Warner, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Morning. Good. Right. How are you? Hey, I'm well, have you been listening so far? Have you had a chance to? Or you just, beg your pardon? No, I just got on. I just got on. Okay. Well, in that case, hang out for a bit. We've, we've been having fun. Pianchi's here too. So let me just, this is the last little bit of this article, and I've got a couple more to do. And then we'll see if we have any, any last-minute updates. Uh, so anyway, so it says here, a successfully rigged election has the same end result as an act of war. The Constitution is the law of our land. It does not grant rights to citizens, but defends inherent rights that each person has at birth. That's really important for everybody to understand. That's why we go over it and over it and over it. Article says it states that no provision of the Constitution can be construed in a way that denies those rights, nor can Congress lawfully enact any law that conflicts with the Constitution. So let me read this again. This is really important. It states that no provision of the Constitution can be construed in a way that denies those rights, nor can Congress lawfully act in any way that conflicts with the Constitution. One of those rights is the right to redress grievances. Gee, what's the FBI doing to anybody that's redressing grievances? Well, they're being arrested. You got a whole uh, gulag, D.C. gulag full of people that simply went there to actually support the Constitution. So that's the, that's the crime in this country. You support the Constitution, you go to jail. You violate the Constitution and seize the government, you get to keep your power. That's the standard right now, and that's what we're trying to change. Anyway, so I'm just get this here. The, all right. It says here, one of those rights is the right to redress grievances, a right that has been consistently denied to the people in matters related to election fraud over the past two or more years. In, a law, in law, a well-known principle is that fraud viti, vitiates, this is a new word for me, V-I-T-I-A-T-E-S, I guess vitiates everything. It says any effect of fraud may therefore be nullified or reversed, no matter what it is, including the removal from office of those persons who gained those offices fraudulently. Remember that in the United States, governmental authority is granted by the people via elections. If an election is illegitimate due to fraud, then no grant of authority was made. Therefore, any persons who benefited from fraud, 
that would be five million illegal so far or more, in elections literally do not have lawful authority. They cannot command a subordinate, sign legislation, or order the public to do anything. Let me read that again, because that includes all the mandates, all the stuff that's happening now. That even includes Supreme Court decisions. Like Roe v. Wade, nobody ever had to follow Roe v. Wade because the Supreme Court cannot make our policy. There was no reason ever to follow that. The states did. I have no idea why. But, the, but because they, they didn't have the authority to make policy, law, or regulation, that was never an actual fact. And yet it was followed for over 50 years. It's a fascinating concept. Let me read this again. Therefore, any persons who benefited from fraud in elections literally do not have lawful authority. They cannot command a subordinate sign legislation, or order the public to do anything. Last line. Sometimes authority is an illusion. In America today, there are people who have usurped authority in government for their own ends. They are no better than a gang of rapists and do not deserve our deference or respect. And that's from Red Voice Media. Comments panel? Kind of sums it up, huh? That include me? Yeah, you're part of the panel. It's, it's you and Diane. I tell you what I like what he said is is uh, the Congress has no right to enact an act that conflicts with the Constitution, and we've seen several of them come about in just a few last few months. Yeah, and something else too I heard very interesting on uh, on One American News. They're talking about Twitter, uh, and the state cannot act unconstitutionally. This we know. But the state cannot compel anybody else to act unconstitutionally either. So in other words, the state cannot extend to Twitter the ability to censor if the state cannot do it itself. So that is an illegitimate power. So, so the state cannot delegate unconstitutional authority. Uh, in fact, Section 230 actually does that too when it says that the Constitution doesn't count. First Amendment doesn't count. Big tech can still censor. That's what that law says. Well, that law is illegitimate. It's an illegitimate authority because Congress does not have the authority to give power to another entity, something which they cannot do themselves. In other words, you know, violate the First Amendment. So all this stuff's happening. We're, we're in a, uh, the most amazing time in our history. Sure, there's three things I think in our history that are, have been incredibly significant. One, our founding. Two, the Civil War. Uh, and three, today, in terms of, 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 of the status of our nation. You could include World War II, but I always thought we were going to win that one. I, didn't, I, you know, I, I knew it was going to be costly, but I don't think that ever seriously, because we were never invaded. We were never seriously jeopardized. We were, the, the foundations of our government were never rocked in World War II because everybody was behind it, but not in the way that things are happening now. So I would say our founding, the Civil War, and today, what's going on today, are probably the three most significant uh, crises in, in our Constitution and our form of government. How's that for a statement? Diane? Awesome. I, I, <laughs> I need you a little louder. You're, you're a little quiet. I said I wanted to end. Can you hear me? I get, you're I, a little I, staticky. Yeah, your line's staticky. We've got to get you a microphone. We need you to get, we need you to get a last-minute Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's better. Yeah, I would just try calling. Yeah, just try calling back in. Why don't you do that? Talk to you in a second. Oh, that's no fun because she has an interview to do <laughs> in, in 24 minutes. So this is going to be fascinating. So let me give you a little more detail on Brunson v. Alma because uh, we've got two of them here, Biden, Harris, Pence, and 385 members of Congress. So that's where they get the 388. So the respondents are let's, – let's try this line and see if it's a little bit better. Earth to Diane, mission control to Diane. Crowd <laughs> control to Major Tom. Here we go. Yeah, it sounds better. <laughs> 
Okay, I good. shouldn't sing on the air. Um, that's a dangerous thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, another article. Though. Go ahead. I, I just put an article on, and it is Susan. Let me read it here. I put it on my feed. No, yeah, right. Susan Collins and Democratic uh, Senator Joe Manchin. I, I just want to say Manu. Would you repeat yourself? But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, they're trying to put in a bill that would stop the vice president from being able to certify an election to actually mm-hmm. call for an investigation. It sounds like yes. um, the election count reform bill. Yes. Yeah. Subvert mm-hmm. the 2020 election defeat. So, um, yeah, that was a very interesting quote. Well, I, I haven't read well, the whole I thing. I just got it this morning. Yeah, I think it was snuck into, I think it's being snuck into the $1.7 trillion um, inflation bill that's currently before Congress oh. that they're trying to rush to pass. I think it's in there as well. It is fraudulent. Oh, I it is a horrible bill. Night. Say that again? But uh, Rand Paul said that they snuck in. It was like 4,400 pages, mm-hmm. and they brought it in at 1.30 in the morning, mm-hmm. and they're giving them a day to sign it. It's like mm-hmm. who in their right mind could ever read 4,000 pages well, that's and understand the point. it in a day? <laughs> But that, exactly. see, this is why, uh, this no is why I wrote my 30-day comment bill. It probably should be a 90-day comment bill from a conversation I had last night with another talk show host. But the whole point is that they do this on purpose. They wait till the last minute. They force Congress to do it. You have to do something or the government will shut down. Well, hell, shut the government down. You know, usually we're a lot yeah. safer. <laughs> you know, I don't care yeah. if the government shuts down. What's the problem? Shutting, I mean, that would actually be a virtue. In fact, I just thought this, I'm going to this by, by you and Pianchi. If the government shuts down, all we're doing is shutting down an illegal government. So where's the problem? Yeah. Right. She's arguing that point. Okay. I just thought of it. Pianki, what do you think? Oh, he's busy. But <laughs> I agree. It takes me time to turn my mute off. But I oh, agree. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So this would be a fascinating concept. We should put this part. I'll see it. Maybe I will do a press release or something like that. That if you if an illegal government shuts down, has any has any. Uh, is it a benefit or a disadvantage? I think it's a benefit. You know, it means they can't do more damage during that time. Let me go back to my website here. The truth behind the narrative. Brunson v. Alma S. Adams et al. That would be Biden, Harris, Pence, and 385 members of Congress. And it says currently there are two lawsuits identified to each other, identical to each other, excuse me. The first one filed by Lloyd Brunson, that's going to be our guest in the next hour, is still held up in the Utah federal court. The second one filed by Raylan J. Brunson, we can ask him about that too, has made it to the Supreme Court of the United States, docket 22-380, for those of you who keep track of these things, where nine justices in conference will vote, only four needed to move to a hearing. A um, little, little footnote, uh, Diane, I discovered recently that uh, the Constitution calls them Supreme Court judges. I can't trace the origin of when they became justices. I think that's part propaganda. I think that's, 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 uh, that's not a true characterization. So if you ever hear me calling them Supreme Court judges, it's because that's what Article 3 calls them. I just found that fascinating. They, they changed their name. They, they can't do anything right at the Supreme I Court. Have... They give themselves authority they don't have. They, they, they say they can review anything. They say they can interpret the law. They say they can make policy and regulation. They, they, it's, just, it's the worst branch of government we have. Back to you, Diane. I had never heard them called judges. I've always heard them called justices. See, Exactly. Which goes to Greg's rule number one, assumptions are stronger than truth. The things that people assume, and that, that's how, that's how Roe v. Wade did. They do. 
Yeah, but uh, but that's the problem. Ever since Marbury versus Madison, the Supreme Court has literally been making stuff up. And the fundamental challenge is very simple. Where in the Constitution does it say that any government entity can invent its own power? Obviously, that's a rhetorical question because no such clause exists. And if anybody yeah. says to you, well, the Supreme Court interprets the law, I said, really? Show me the interpretations clause. Show me where that power is granted to the court to interpret the law and say what the law means according to them. Because that's what interpreting is. That, get, that gets back to the old cliche about the child, the child giving birth to the mother. Uh, how's that apply? Saying that a government entity, which you just made mention of, oh, the I government okay. gets this power. Right. Yeah, the government the uh, has to follow the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Constitution allows the Supreme Court to exist, also Congress members and senators and presidents. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Let me uh, do some more information on this. This is the lawsuit. Uh, both lawsuits include defendants. I think I read that part already. Oh, no, wait. Uh, for breaking their oath of office. This, is, uh, this would be uh, Biden-Harris, uh, Pence, and 385 members of Congress for breaking their oath of office by voting against the proposition that came from members of Congress to investigate the claims. Okay, I've read all that. I've read all that. We've got the background already. Let's see if there's anything new. Um, okay, that's, that's the, uh, there's a lot of the same stuff. The events I find interesting. They started this March 23rd of 2021. So I've got two columns here, Loy Brunson and Raylan Brunson. So Loy started this March 23rd of 2021. That's a year and a half ago. Uh, he filed a court. Uh, filed a complaint with the, the Utah Federal Court. It was amended March 29th. It was a uh, complaint served March 31st. April 6th, something happened. April 20th, yada, yada, keeps going. Keeps going. June, there's some more activity. This has been going on since for a year and a half. December 30th, 2021, fourth amended complaint. And then it kind of stalled for a while. So this might be something to, to investigate too. Raylan, June 21st of 2021. So what, March? Three months later. He does his complaint. Three defendants served. That would be... <laughs> Biden, Harris, and uh, Pelosi. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Can you imagine serving those people? Uh, excuse me, we have a court summons, so you have to uh, interrupt your lunch for a minute. Uh, wake up, Biden. I would he, love to do that. He has to be served. Wouldn't you want to be the server, the president, the, the, the professor? I would. Uh, I would. Brandon? <laughs> have I you ever done that? that? Have you ever? I've never, I've never no. been a process server. Oh, okay. How creative would you have to be? Candy Graham. Oh. Landshark. <laughs> <laughs> Telegram oh, for Mongo. Yeah. <laughs> How many other movie references can I make here? Anyway, August 5th, there was action. Well, I know. Go ahead. Wait, it stalled in the 10th court, and that's when Raylan did some digging, and he found a way to get around the 10th circuit uh, court, and that was to make it in an emergency case. Okay, and so this is critical. This is uh, this is new information. So uh, t- tell me if you want to tell us about it now, and then, of course, we can ask him about it. But what is the, what, <laughs> how does that significance? What's that do? Um, it, it just stalled in this in circuit court. They couldn't get around it. And Raylan just started doing a lot of research. Now, this guy, is just, he's incredible. Um, and he he's the one that, he's one of the brothers. He got mad at the banks because they were doing illegal stuff, and he just started suing them. So he learns the legal system himself. So he's kind of the driving force behind all this and kind of teaching his brothers. And um, Where is he, he now? Found, Can we get him on the show next time, too? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen him on any of – and I'm telling you, they're all over the place. Well, Louie is. I follow him on several different um, – 20 interviews. So he may be the person out front. 
Uh, well, some people are better spokespeople. I mean, I, I understand that, but uh, yeah, and a lot of times the, the schemers, yeah, maybe the schemers, you know, the the plotter, the guy behind the scenes, the man behind the curtain, you know, might be. Uh, but that's okay as long as the, hey, the effect is good. It doesn't matter who says it. You know, I just uh, I just care that it gets done. You know, it's like action yeah. radio because there's a lot of well, people with a lot of. Go ahead. Yeah. I, what, do you I have any insight? I think the you word that. Uh huh. Do what? No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I'm oh. way too anxious to talk today. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. I'm excited to have him on. Um, I just think that word that describes them to me is just tenacious. They've just been at this for a year and a half and just haven't let go. It's like a dog with a bone, and I love it. Just, yes, like I Churchill. Can... We'll fight him on the beaches. Yeah. We'll fight him in the streets. We will never surrender. Our England. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's, uh, it's very true. This is great. Well, right, let's see if I can. Uh, you know, go he ahead. got stalled. He got he got stalled, and then he found a way around it. And it's just so impressive that he found a way around the 10th Circuit Court and got it sent up to the Supremes as an emergency case. And one yep. of the clerks just loved it. So that's helping them. That's the insight. I want you to tell that story. The fact that this was, I want to know, and I want to know what they, what Loy can tell about it, because there might be. Uh, uh, how did you find out? Was that public information? Did, how did you learn that uh, that they got help in the court? He had said it on the video. That I okay, to. good. All right. So then we can, uh, because I don't want to, you know, the, like I say, you don't want to give your enemy your your your, you know, ammunition, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, yeah. But but that's so if he's, he's talking about it publicly. Okay, so that's fine then. Mm-hmm. So that's fair game. That's very, in other words, they've, they've determined that that's okay to know. Uh, they may not tell us exactly who, and I'm not going to ask. Well, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but I just find it fascinating that, and I think we talked about this maybe off the air, that I'm wondering if the same people that have helped get this case, this emergency declaration, and have helped them sort of go through the, the channels, the, you know, the fjords of law, whatever it is, to, to get this where it is, are the same folks that possibly released the, uh, the abortion opinion early. You know, everybody thinks the leftists no, did it. Yeah. I don't think so. I'm not convinced. I don't know who did it, but I'm just. But this is this is two very interesting actions of people that work in the Supreme Court as opposed to the judges themselves. And I did say judge intentionally. Yeah. So I yeah. I would love to shake the hand of the the clerk assisting that, that clerk or clerks. I don't know how many, but uh-huh. they told them they helped the brothers to. It in the language, and it has to be very specifically written and then bound. And it, mm-hmm. uh, it was three weeks. I think they said that they could have it there in, in two to three weeks. And the clerks were like, "No, you need to get it here now." And so mm-hmm. they ended up getting it there, and they get all they got all the language changed, and they got it bound and sent up there within one week. So yeah, was, see, the um, clerks the clerks really run the court. You know, and, and look at the people who have been clerks in the Supreme Court, Ted Cruz, Laura Ingram, uh, various, I think, uh, I'm, those are the two that come prominently to mind, but a lot of people were clerks. In fact, some of the, the judges on the court now, I, I'm sure they're all clerks at some point. Um, I think uh, Ted Cruz was a clerk to, um, to uh, Clarence Thomas, if I remember. I could be wrong on that, but anyway. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I we can know. check it out. Yeah, check it out and see. But that's I, I, I seem to remember. I remember that. But again, we, I like to verify uh, just to make sure. I want to go over a little bit of the Texas uh, case because I think a lot of what's happening with Brunson is a result of the Supreme Court not taking, as they were constitutionally bound to do, not taking the Texas case. So Texas uh, sued on behalf of, of Texans saying that those 
states where the, the state legislatures had the rules changed by courts and by the secretary of state and by all these different people, you know, under the, under the guise of COVID. Oh no, we have to violate the constitution for a fluke. All right. And so they, and, and they, Texas, you can't do that because if you violated, you know, the, the, your, your sacred vote in your state, well, that affects our state because it's a national election. And because there were two states involved, the Supreme Court was duty bound to take it. And I will tell you right now, it says right here, the judicial power, Article 1, uh, excuse me, Article 3, Section 1, the judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court and in such inferior courts as the courts may from time to time ordain and establish the judges. See, there it is. Both of the, of the Supreme and inferior courts shall hold their offices during good behavior. So much for the lifetime appointment. Section 2, the judicial power shall extend to all cases in law and equity. Judicial power shall extend to all cases. Okay, this is not partial. I don't. I don't see this as discretion. So they have their 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 power extends to all cases in law and equity arising under this constitution. That to me is a mandate. The Texas case was a case in law between states arising under the constitution because it was a constitutional violation that the state legislatures control the elections. So to me, they were mandated to take this case, and it says. The judicial power, da, 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 in all cases, law and equity arising under this Constitution, the laws of the United States, treaties made or which shall be made under the authority uh, to all cases, to all cases, not, not some cases, to all cases affecting ambassadors, other public ministers and consuls, to all cases of admiralty and maritime jurisdiction, to controversies to which the United States. There shall be it a is right there. What? Controversies between states. Why? I'm, I'm, almost, I'm almost there. I mean, just because just, you, just, you just beat me to it. You just, because you, you know what, Pianki knows what's coming. We've been over this before, right? This is to all cases of admiralty and maritime jurisdiction, to, to controversies to which the United States shall be a party, and here's the big one, to controversies between two or more states. There it is. They are mandated to take this case, and they didn't do it. And this is then between, between citizens of different states, between citizens of the same state. Da, 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 okay, all right. Right there. Article 3, Section 2, Supreme Court shall take all cases arising between states. Diane? Yes, so the Supreme Court was the one that they decided not to take it, and they're the one that's at fault. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they couldn't decide not to take it. See, that's the thing. That's a violation of the constitutional oath. So what do we do? I'll give, I'll give Pianchi a softball. What do you do to Supreme Court judges who violate the Constitution? Well, you know, you got to be careful there because they're trying to get rid of get rid of Clarence Thomas and Barrett. Mm-hmm. For what cause? Well, it could be with just what we just described. Yeah, see, a lot of these things get turned around. It's like they're blaming Trump for the illegal aliens, which is hysterical. But that's a propaganda war. But my contention is that the the, the Supreme Court judges who voted against this should be removed for bad behavior. Because they violated the Constitution. See, I'd remove all the leftist judges because they violate the Constitution every day just by showing up for work, which is my contention that leftists cannot serve uh, on the Supreme Court because they simply can't take the oath of office honestly and stick to the Constitution. So who voted against it? Um, Everybody except Sam Alito and uh, Clarence Thomas. They're the only two that voted to take the case. So the three stooges from oh, the Federalist wow. Society that Trump appointed, you know, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Frat Boy Kavanaugh, and uh, Amy Barrett, voted okay. not to take the case. Wow. So much for the Federalist Society. Yeah, there's only two judges worth anything on the Supreme Court, and that's Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito. 
you know, I give marginal this, credit to so it. this country. Mm-hmm. This country is messed up left from left to right. I'm telling you, up and down, left to right, all around the clown. It's messed up. I know that yeah. a lot of people are really worried about a lame duck presidency now that he's going to start passing the Supreme Court too. Well, he's not, he's not even president. I mean, why aren't they worried about a coup? Why aren't they worried about a coup d'etat? Why don't we use that language all the time? I mean, I call him Brandon for a reason. Yeah. So every time, in fact, this, yeah. is, this is the thing. Too. Anytime somebody says President Biden or the Biden administration, they're reinforcing the coup. They're an accessory to the coup. So it's so critical well, in know, our the language. Thing that makes it, Go ahead, Bianchi. The thing, that's, the thing that is really bad is that the American people are so damn dumb. Yeah, that's a problem. That is a problem. <laughs> I mean, be, but, look, well, the not, three of us, they're ignorant the three of us can come to the agreement that the biggest problem that we are faced with is a mm-hmm. dumb America. Yeah, but they're intentionally yeah. made dumb. I don't think uh, – because I talk to all kinds of people all the time, and I, I rarely run into a genuinely stupid person. It happens, but it's rare. Most people are uninformed. They're propagandized. They're manipulated, uh, but they're not inherently stupid. They're just misinformed. They're ignorant of, of what we know. Go ahead. And that's I by design. Think it's a lot of inherent, I think it's a lot of inherent laziness, too. They don't care enough to learn about mm-hmm. it because it doesn't impact them. It, it doesn't impact them, and it actually really does. Well, and that's what the whole lawsuit's about. In other words, the fact that these states – and it's interesting that the states mentioned in the lawsuit are the battleground states. Those are the states that also carry Trump electors. See, that's the key to the election. That's the part that the, the left knows is their Achilles heel of the Trump electors. So if you overturn the Brandon electors because they cheated, because Congress refused to investigate them, that means the Trump electors get certified, which they should have been all along. And this election goes where it should have gone, to Trump. My only thing is that I want Trump to assume office no earlier than January 21st of 2023 so that he can run. He will serve less than two years of that term by one day uh, and can run in 2024. And there should be no challenge to him based on that. I can wait till January. So January 23rd is the date? 21st. Yeah. See, the, the inauguration is January 20th. So if he takes power uh, back for his term, January 21st or January 20th or earlier, he will serve over two years of that term. And that, according to the Constitution, disqualifies him from a future term. Yeah. Right. So yeah. if he goes January 21st, he's up, you know, and that, that's going to be the fight. Because if, if it looks like Trump's going to come back for the remainder of this term, Democrats are going to insist that it, it, he take, you know, uh, take power immediately because they know he can't run again in 2024. And oh, wait a minute, nope. And this is what we'll see if the geldings have any, uh, you know, you know what. <laughs> My contention is they don't. That's why I call them geldings, but we'll see. Let me, we've got just a few minutes here. Have you heard anything, uh, any, any news on, on Lloyd? Any, any last minute, anything? We're all looking good? No, no. Okay, good. Not all, right. all right, I think the Texas case, and well, I'll just get started this article. It's in Newsweek, and I can repost any of these. I posted this before. This is from Newsweek, 12 20 So this was December 9th. Four days before the uh, the December fourteenth, or three days before the December fourteenth vote, five days. Don't worry about my five days. Before. My math sucks. Anyway, Texas AG explains why he took battleground election lawsuits straight to the Supreme Court. Battleground election. The states with Trump electors. This is the part that always gets left out of the news stories, except this one. It's Newsweek, so it's pretty good. Uh, articles by Jeffrey Martin. And he says, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton filed suit in the U.S. Supreme Court against the states of Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia, and Michigan, all familiar states, folks, on Tuesday in an an attempt to prevent electors in those states from casting their ballots in the Electoral College. It's not exactly accurate, but 
Anyway, it says, well, actually, maybe it is. Let me read on. Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia, and Michigan were all carried by, as he says, President-elect Joe Biden in the 2020 presidential election. Paxton's lawsuit seeks to paint the results of the election in those states as unconstitutional. See, that's, that's propagandistic language, but you know, what I, you know what he means. It says, because of the special circumstances of one state suing others, Paxton told Fox News' Sean Hannity that he had no choice but to file with the nation's highest court. And that's absolutely true. He said, the quote is here, uh, in a state-on-state suit, on, our only place to go is the U.S. Supreme Court, and that's Ken Paxton. He says, we can't be heard anywhere else. Other lawsuits start at a district court level, and they have a right to be heard uh, at least once, whether they have a good cause or a bad, uh, good case or a bad case. Our request is we want to be heard. And he's right. That the Supreme Court has what they call original jurisdiction. So normally they have what's called appellate jurisdiction. In other words, it goes to the lower court, a circuit court, a uh, district court, a court of appeals, and then to the Supreme Court. That means they're, they're, the, they're the last appeal. Now, if they have original jurisdiction, it means you go directly to the Supreme Court. And the Constitution, when it was written, it was determined that the states require original jurisdiction. You can't have states going to a lower court. That's just silly. Go direct to the Supreme Court, which makes sense. Except when the Supreme Court violates the Constitution and doesn't take the case, which doesn't make sense. He says, the only place where we can go is the U.S. Supreme Court, and so we're pleading with the U.S. Supreme Court, please hear our case. Give us a chance at least to argue what we think is right. We want to argue the Constitution. And what did the Supreme Court say to that? No. <laughs> And then again, Newsweek restates this correctly. According to Article 3, Section 2 of the U.S. Constitution, the Supreme Court can hear cases involving state versus state disputes without the cases passing through a lower court first. They got it right. But this is where I think the problem is. And this is something that I'm, I may ask later on. Um, so this one, I'm just waiting, you know, waiting for uh, – uh, I'm going to hold off on our commercial breaks. I don't want to miss a minute of this. <laughs> so, uh, so this is going to be fun. So as soon as he pops up on the board – um, which could be, uh, and sometimes he people, and is, what's that? He has texted, he did text me and he said he's coming on. Okay, good. Well, yeah. Tell him that we don't, yeah. tell him we don't have a news break. So, uh, he can call, tell me you can call anytime now. We're ready. <laughs> I'm ready to go. This is going to be fun. Oh, he's asking me both numbers work. Told you. <laughs> <laughs> this is. <laughs> well, let me let me give you a little inside baseball. Whenever I have a new guest on the show, I always text them the call-in number about a couple I, hours beforehand, I, five minutes beforehand. Go ahead. Yeah. And invariably, they'll call my I cell did, phone I, by mistake. Two one five three eight three three eight three two. Yeah. What do you say? Two one five three eight three three eight three two is the action line. Uh-huh. Um, right. uh, that's, that's us. I yeah. them. Uh-huh. Action radio. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So wait till he calls in, and he then had, we'll have a little. He had. Dude, I don't know where he got that. Well, oh, just text him the right it, one. It's, it's like up. a Rush Limbaugh number. Yeah, two one five three eight three three eight three two. Yep. And I'll just wait for mm-hmm. him to pop up on the board. <clears throat> and away we go. Isn't this fun? <laughs> so, I, I say I could normally I play commercials <laughs> at this point, um, just to, just in case. But uh, I figure he's probably waiting for the exact hour of nine o'clock. Let me uh, let me sneak something in here that's that's short. <laughs> he's in, Otherwise, and he's actually in Utah. So he's oh, he actually is. in Utah, so he's on Mexico. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this will this will occupy us for about fifty seconds. One thing uh, that Hold on. I, oh. we haven't really talked about is. Oh, I'll stop that. You were gonna say? Oh, I was go ahead. Say, there's four brothers. There's mm-hmm. uh, there's four of them, and three of them are involved with the cases, and the other one. I uh, ha- actually like organizes all their music 
they're all trumpeters, and they've all been on the Johnny Carson show. And they're all excellent musicians. And so that's another thing that I wouldn't mind talking to him about on another show. Okay. I wonder if he's calling in from a different number. Yeah. Ask him the number he's calling in from. Text it and make sure it's off the air. That way I can uh, I can find out. Because people do that. Sometimes they call in from a landline. They don't tell us which number it is. Awesome. But I'm guessing. Good. Betcha, betcha, betcha. Is there a number calling in now? Well, this number, I'll tell you what, I'm just, I'm just going to take a big chance here because who else would call me at this particular moment? Is this Lloyd Brunson? Yes, it is. See, I thought so. See, we, we had the number we thought you were going to call in on. It's a different number, so you had, yeah. me, uh, had me guessing for it. Well, let me introduce you properly. Sorry, sir. It's that. a pleasure to have you on the sure. show. Our guest of the day. Thank you. Lloyd Brunson. See, rarely do I get a chance to uh, have a, a genuine hero on the show. Not a celebrity, not somebody you've known about for years and years, but somebody that's doing the right thing. Someone that's doing something they don't have to do. Someone that's doing something that's going to help all of us out. And this is just an incredible honor um, to have Lloyd on the show with us today. And our newest superstar, uh, Diane Warner, who is our election integrity reporter, has done all the work um, to make this happen. So uh, I'm going to welcome Lloyd to the show and turn it over to Diane. So, sir, welcome aboard. Thank you. What a great introduction. Appreciate that. Oh, no problem. Hi, we, we do a lot of stuff here. It's Diane. <laughs> we have our fun. Go ahead, Diane. <laughs> Hello there, you guys. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Good morning. We're so grateful that you're here with us today, Lloyd. I know that you've been super busy. You just It seems like everyone's wanting to talk to you. I've seen a lot, all the interviews that you're doing on, on Telegram, and it's, it's just so impressive. And I, I think my best description for you and your brothers is, tenacious and we're just oh, so happy thanks. and so yeah we'd love to hear about the case it's, can you just tell us a little bit about it sure yeah uh, there are four Brunson brothers three of us are working on this uh, we're supported by our family uh, you know we have a great emotional support team with our family and uh, one brother knows how to uh, litigate in court he's not an attorney but he's had plenty of uh, experience in state and federal court and even to the Supreme Court with two petitions for his certiorari that have been docketed. So when he saw that, uh, and when we all saw that, uh, that 100 members of Congress were almost on their knees begging for an investigation because of the mountain of evidence, and uh, the other members of Congress, instead of agreeing to it, waived the Constitution and, and declared to the world that they had to move forward with the certification despite the evidence and, and they wouldn't pause for 10 days for, for an investigation. It really kind of sickened us. And so, so my, my legal guy brother, uh, he got us together and says, look, I have experience in court. I can take this to the Supreme court. Let's sue him, sue him for, you know, for let's, so we all agreed to sue him for, for a, a security breach. And we didn't want to make it about who won the election and about the outcome and about whether there was enough evidence or not to change the outcome, but simply they should have investigated. And because they didn't, they were violating their oath of office. They've sworn to uphold and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Uh, Article 6 of the Constitution is very clear, requiring them to be bound 
by oath, not just take an oath, but be bound by oath. So we're also challenging the immunity statutes uh, that would affect even local governments where we need to get rid of their immunity so that, it's, so that citizens can hold their representatives' feet to the fire with civil claims, civil damage claims in the courts. And so uh, we actually launched two lawsuits. We, the first one, and you can go to sevendiscoveries.com and you can see both the, the complaints. They're identical. Mine's a fourth amended complaint because we had to go through quite a few hoops and a lot of battling with the federal court in order to get it perfected to where my brother Rollin was able to file his and, and court sort of streamlined with his. We had different judges, but the same ended up in the same federal court in Utah. He started in state court, but we still have different judges. So my court was my case actually was not only blocked, but before it was blocked, uh, the court actually ordered the U.S. Marshal Service in Washington, D.C. to serve my summons and complaint on 388 defendants. And they started doing that oh, on nice. March 31st. Yes, March 31st, 2021, uh, the U.S. Marshal Service started to serve. They had to do that because of the lockdown. They couldn't, you couldn't get into the House or Senate buildings. The only people that could would be U.S. Marshals, so we couldn't hire a process server or have a deputy sheriff or anyone go do that. So the, the court ordered the U.S. Marshal Service to do that. They started serving. They served Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Adams, uh, Maxine Waters, uh, and others. Uh, and then, then the court, the next day, April 1st, called it back and, and said that it was a clerical error. This is all, you're going to see this on the docket too. And, uh, and uh, canceled my complaint. So we knew that wasn't right. We had a lot of uh, constitutional authority in our complaints uh, saying that we had the you know, constitutionally protected right to process and petition for redress of grievances. And uh, so we just took them, uh, we took the Federal Court of Utah with a complaint to the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals. It's called the Petition for Rita Mandamus. And the Tenth Circuit didn't support us either. So we took both courts to state court, so we actually sued, and the U.S. attorneys represented the Federal Court of Utah and the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, they were the two defendants in the state court action, and I was a plaintiff. And so we battled it out for a while, and, and the judge had an opportunity to really do some great, great stuff for our country, and that would have been very interesting if he'd ruled in our favor, but he didn't. But we still won, because after a few weeks of us having it dismissed, the federal court not only unblocked uh, my case, but he also uh, ordered that it be filed. So we didn't. We I didn't even have to file. The court ordered it be filed, and also ordered the the clerk of the court to issue 388 summonses. Now that case is still alive. That has not been dismissed. That's in federal court. And so Rollins' case, that's in front of the Supreme Court. He started in state court, and the U.S. attorneys came on board and removed it to they call it removed to um, federal court, and. Uh, we lost there, and so we, we were expecting that. Our goal was to go to the U.S. Supreme Court. We weren't going to stop because the lower court uh, ruled against us and dismissed it. So we went to the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals, and they sat on it for four months. So that frustrated us, and we got digging, and my brother, the legal brain behind this, uh, got digging and found a Rule 11 of the Supreme Court, which allows us to bypass the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals. Now, that's pretty rare. Uh, we've done some checking, and Genius. it looks like the last yeah. time well, the last time a Rule 11, an emergency Rule 11 was filed, it looks like it was in the 70s under the Nixon administration, uh, the federal government actually did that. And, and uh, there might have been one more before that. So this may be the first time in the history of the United States where, especially pro se litigant, anyone other than government has filed an emergency petition to the, to the Supreme Court. And so we, we got it to them. 
hoping that they would accept it as a national emergency. So we just sent it in with the, on the face of the, of the petition that would say this court's Rule 11. So it was identifying to the court that this was a very different petition for the certiorari. It wasn't a normal one, a Rule 11 on there. It might be the first time they've ever seen Rule 11 on the face of a petition, but that's what we sent to them. And so hoping, you know, with a prayer and uh, a lot of hope that, uh, that they would accept it. Five days later, we received a phone call from the clerk, uh, the clerk's office. Now, the clerk of the, of the Supreme Court is not a, a justice clerk. The clerk of the court is Scott Sessions Harris, and for 11 years, he was the, um, the chief counsel. He was the attorney for the United States Supreme Court. And uh, so he assigned a case analyst to us, and uh, she called and explained to us that they had decided to accept our case without the Tenth Circuit Court decision, which means they were accepting it as a Rule 11 emergency petition. And not only did she tell us that it was accepted, but she asked us if we would include extra documents that had not been required in the petition. And so we did that, and uh, we prepared. And then she asked us how soon they could get it and just kind of put a little fire under us to get it to them as quick as possible. And so we, you know, so we, we did that and, uh, we got that uh, all completed and formatted and they, they even asked for it to be perfect balance. So we go to the binders and bind it like a book. So it's quite a process, even as a certified board count. And so while we're doing that, we're all ready to go with that. Oh, thank you. While we're doing that, all ready to go, the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals makes a decision. We're thinking, did, did someone notify them from the, from the Supreme Court? Maybe they don't want to go down in history as dragging their feet on a national emergency petition, and so they at least <laughs> made a decision. It was against us, but it was like, gosh, you guys, why didn't you do it sooner to speed things up? And so we thought, well, all this work and formatting, do we have to take that out? We thought, well, we better call the, court, the Supreme Court. So, so we called the clerk's office, uh, and uh, this is this person, the case analyst, whenever we've called, it's like she just picks up immediately. It's like there's no in, no person in between us and, and her. It's almost like a hotline. And so we explained to her what had happened, that the Tenth Circuit made a decision. Can we just, uh, to save time, can we just keep that information in there? She says, no, you don't need it. Take it out and be sure and don't forget to add what we asked you to add and how soon can we get this? And my brother says, well, it's going to take about two weeks. And she says, well, we'd like to get it sooner. Please, can you can you get it to us sooner? And he says, well, we'll, we'll try and do whatever we can. And so uh, we worked hard on that. My brother made the format change and included, made sure we included what they asked to include. And we had it done a week early. So on March 31st, uh, no, not March, it was October 20th of this year, just last October 20th, uh, we were able to overnight mail the 45 copies required by the justices. They require five each, four for the four for their clerks, and one for each for the justice justices. And we were we were able to get that to them. They got it the next day. They we mailed it on the 20th. They got it the 21st, and they docketed it on the 24th, the following Monday. And on the docket, it showed that it had been filed the day we sent it, which was, you know, cool. Uh, and I guess that's standard procedures. They show it filed the day that it was sent. And uh, so on the stamps, you see the stamps on the cover. It's, uh, and you can get copies of these at 7discoveries.com. But so on the, on the cover, on the face, uh, it'll show the date stamp of when they received it, the 24th of October, and it'll show the date filed the 20th. So that's kind of cool. And then they notified the U.S. attorneys that the U.S. attorneys had one, they have one right to oppose it, only one opportunity to oppose it with a, a, a filing of an opposition. And so they were notified that they had till the 23rd of November to file an opposition. And so also my brother was sent documents uh, 
that the U.S. Supreme Court was uh, requesting that they send one of the documents requesting that we send the U.S. attorneys a, a waiver form to see if they would sign a waiver, waiving their right to oppose this before conference. And so we got that to them, and well, and, all, and then we got thinking, well, that's probably why they had us put in the uh, the the you know the uh, the motion to dismiss, so that they could feel like uh, we're not you know it's it's going to be pretty fair both sides. We got that motion to dismiss in the petition, which isn't required. And so uh, he left a message on the phone uh, that uh, if encouraging them to sign the waiver to speed things up, and that we had included the motion to dismiss in the petition. Well, they, I'm sure they had a copy of it; they would know. And so uh, we didn't hear anything from them. And so the deadline comes around, 23rd of November, and nothing has happened. So we're checking the, the, the docket constantly. We look at, we look at the docket on November 23rd, day before Thanksgiving, the day that the, it's due. They're filing to oppose this is due that day. And we see that the U.S. attorneys are no longer representing the 388 defendants. And, uh, but instead, the uh, United States Solicitor General is representing the defendants, and she doesn't ask for an extension uh, she actually files a signed waiver, waiving their last opportunity to fight or oppose this before it goes into conference. And conferences where the nine justices vote, all nine vote, they get into a conference by themselves. No one from either side is allowed into it. No one representing the petitioner, no one representing defendants, respondents, and they take a vote. And so out of the nine votes, if we have four that vote to move this forward, then it moves forward. And uh, just in case people don't know what this case is about or the power of this case, uh, of course, we're suing every single uh, member of Congress and also a sitting president and vice president that contributed or uh, uh, participated in, um, in stopping a 10-day investigation into the mountain of evidence and 100 witnesses witnessing that there needed to be an investigation. And so this, this, um, this petition literally gives the, the United States Supreme Court the full power to to grant relief to the whole complaint because of its emergency nature. So this means that the Supreme Court now has the power to remove a sitting president, vice president, and 385 members of Congress, and not only remove them, but bar them from holding office the rest of their lives, and also Mike Pence bar him from holding office the rest of his life. So that's, uh, that's where we're at now. It's, uh, it's been docketed for a conference uh, January 6, 2023. That was another surprise for us is that they would show a conference date on the docket of January 6, 2023, since it's a two-year anniversary of why we're suing. Oh, the court Who does. Who do you think picked that date? I'm, I'm, you would just have to guess. I know the, uh, the clerk of the court works closely with the justices. He also does his office researches and prepares uh, notes and information for the justices to make it easier for them so they can make decisions. So the clerk... Is very his office is very active in preparing documents and and preparing and researching cases to help the justices uh, uh, make decisions with the information he provides. So, I would think that he uh, you know would work with the justices and and uh, and the scheduling and that they would all kind of uh, sign on to the to the date or at least one or two of them. I thought it maybe all. Yeah, I thought I thought it was so fascinating that there's 50 state attorneys and none of them can. Well, you, you know, you know, I think it's because there, there, there are people on both sides. It's nonpartisan. I mean, it's, it's bipartisan, and I think people that would maybe want to, maybe people, maybe there were attorneys and attorney generals that felt like a case should be filed, but then they would have to 
uh, bring, uh, they would have to list their people, some of their guys as, as defendants. And so we weren't concerned about that. It's like, hey, it doesn't matter. Republican, Democrat, socialist, you're going to be listed as a defendant. This is not about party. Yeah. It's not about our favorite candidate or favorite representatives. And maybe that was it. They didn't want to, uh, to do anything that would remove their own representatives, which is really sad. Another great thing about this case is that the immunity would be stripped. So the, the vacancies that this would create would uh, create a climate of, of politicians running for office that are not afraid of a binding oath. And that would be the first time yeah. in many, many years that that would happen. Uh, there are, there, there's a statute in California, uh, a perjury statute, that excludes politicians taking the oath of office from liability. So they, it's just clear. In California, you can lie and you can commit perjury taking your oath of the Constitution. And so that's got to be stopped. And this case has the power to do that. And uh, they title their U.S. codes, U.S. federal legislation that gives them immunity, and that's what we're challenging. We're saying no, you can't not have immunity and have a binding oath. There's a big conflict there. So, yeah, I was reading the case, and it, I looked through all the representatives and through the senators, and I was very surprised to see Grassley on there that he voted against yeah. this because he's been helping yeah. Jim Jordan so much. That really surprised me. Yeah. And um, what I what I'm fascinated with is at the very end where it's talking about the the John and Jane Doe's one to one hundred. What is up with that? Can you uh, the the court the the court ha the court has full discretion to add any additional defendants if they feel like uh, other people were involved. I'm just guessing there, but I think the Federal Communications Commission directors, the president, actually appointed and they've taken an oath. I think they could be added as defendants. But uh, 1 to 100 means that the court literally can add any other defendants that it chooses to add to be removed from office and barred from holding office ever again. So there's no one specific that you're, like, not showing? No one specific. No, that's, that's up to the court. Okay. That's up to the court to decide that. Hey, can I just uh, jump in here for a second? Uh, excuse me, Diane, but uh, could the Department of Justice, uh, can some of those folks who are responsible for election fraud in this country, could they be some of the, the hundred, do you think? I, I believe so, absolutely. I think uh, okay. absolutely. Even the Attorney General possibly. He would be removed with a new president, and that's what this would do. They would have to figure out who would be the immediate uh, you know, president to take the place of Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and uh, it could be the House Majority Leader, or they could say, hey, whoever was a sitting president at the time of this event, if that sitting president did not take uh, – did not participate in the – you know, and this pushback against the investigation. So uh, they could, uh, who knows? Cleaning out the swamp in one fatal swoop. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, because, you know, Amy Coney Barrett was asked, I mean, you may remember in the Senate hearing what the five protections in the First Amendment were. And she says, well, speech, religion, assembly. Uh, the press, and she couldn't remember the fifth one. And I think that's very symbolic. We, uh, we, the people in this country, have not been allowed to hold our, in civil cases, hold our representatives' feet to the fire with civil damages. And they have blocked that. So we've been blocked from that. If you were to go, if we'd gone to a law firm and said, hey, we want to bring civil action against our representatives, they would have, they would have guided us based on their education and their their law profession, they would, have, they would not have allowed us to go into state or federal court, which takes us to the Supreme Court. They would have taken us to a claims court and made us get a per, 
permission from the sergeant in arms and a waiver. And it's like there's been these devices that have been set in place that literally block us from exercising our First Amendment protected right to petition the government for redress of grievances. So this could open that up and change that. And these uh, lawsuits, I think, could be, you know, people can see them. We're not attorneys, so we're not suggesting that anyone copies us, but that they could be a template and and actually um, an opportunity for people to finally uh, see a way that they don't, without having to go to the claims court, to bring, to hold our representatives' feet to the fire and to enforce the oath of office is supposed to be binding. And in, and I think in our state constitution, and I think it's federal too, where you're not just required to take an oath, but you're supposed to subscribe the oath. And some years ago, my father, he was kind of an activist, and uh, he sent, we were in Provo, Utah, and he sent a letter to uh, all the city councilmen saying, you haven't subscribed your oath, and according to the state constitution, you cannot act in your office until you do so. And this was like a year or two into their into their offices. And so they sent a letter back with a picture of them subscribing their oath because they hadn't done it. And I'm thinking, gosh, this has been so neglected. So I think this is like the Achilles heel. This is an opportunity for us to to get back on a binding oath. And I think the binding oath could be an amazing amazing correction in our direction. It's almost like correcting a compass on a plane. You know, it's, we're off a few degrees. Let's correct it back on course. Let's get back on course. And I think this case could definitely do that as well as um, replace a lot of representatives with people that are not afraid of taking a binding oath, but instead are those kinds of people that go into the military and are willing to lay down their lives for this country. And those kinds of people would certainly not be afraid of a binding oath and, and would not be afraid to study the Constitution and uphold it with their oath. I love that, that you learned it from your father. This is awesome. Yeah, thanks. Pianchi, you had a question? I got a question. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Now, could not the state uh, act it out to do, to accomplish the same thing almost? Well, of course. That's why we're kind of wondering why didn't someone else do it. But I think, again, the reason they didn't do it is because their their friends and their representatives were on the list of defendants. They would have to sue their own people. And I think that was the blockage is there might have been a lot of people upset with a 10-day investigation not happening. And why didn't they launch a lawsuit? And I think it's simply because they would be uh, taking out their own people. They would be bringing a lawsuit against their own people because it's Democrats and Republicans. I mean, Mike Lee's a friend of ours. I voted for Mike Lee, but he's a defendant. Mitt Romney's a defendant, and there are only two out of Utah that are not defendants, Chris Stewart and Burgess Owens. And so the Democrats and Republicans, both sides, uh, wouldn't want to do this because it would be taking out their own representatives. So, so isn't that horrible? It's like we, they don't, they're going to let this country go down because they don't want to add their favorite representative on the list? And it's like, my gosh, you know. They need to be removed. That's a, they committed a serious national security breach. They participated in a breach, and they should never be put in a position again where they can duplicate what they did. So it's, it's just common sense that they need to be removed from office permanently, barred from holding office ever again. You don't let them – you don't have a second chance. You know, Once they've done it, that's one time too many. And uh, Hunter did the right thing, and so they're not defendants. I love it. And where can this be found? You, you say you have a website. What is? Yeah, you can go to seven discoveries, plural, seven, the number seven and the discoveries.com. And uh, both complaints are there. Roland J. Brunson complaint, Lloyd Arlen Brunson's fourth amended complaint. They're identical. You can only do a digital download of those, but you get the whole thing. They affidavit all the, all the, uh, you know, all of the information from the, 
congressional record. And then also you can get an identical copy. We printed extra copies that we got to the Supreme Court, and we actually have uh, from, the, from the court the actual stamped version, so it's exactly what they have. For $30, you can get one of those uh, sent to you, a free postage. And then for $1,000, we have a few special copies that are signed by the Four Brunson Brothers. And so for a $1,000 gift, uh, thanking us for what we've done, which helps us kind of make up for our losses, uh, you can get uh, a personally signed, I think I've got 10 of those sitting here on the table right now. Uh, you can get a, a Four Brunson Brothers signing on the perfect bound uh, edition that was actually sent to the court that they're reviewing right now for conference on the 6th of January. Ooh, collector's items. I like you've it. Asked for, um, yeah. oh, go ahead, Dan. You've asked, you've asked for a whole lot of people to write in letters and write a letter to the Supremes and then send a copy to yourself. How many thousands well, we actually, of letters we have y'all received so far? Well, we actually didn't do that. That's independent people launching those campaigns. And it's only been going a few days. And I think... I was talking to my brother yesterday. I think we've got about 30,000 letters so far. So that's a good start. Wow. We'd like to get millions. <laughs> We'd like to, and, there, and some of these letters, I mean, letters. they're incredible. We just got a, a letter from a, a Homeland Security officer. And, boy, it just brings tears to your eyes, uh, what he says in the letter, pleading with the court to do the right thing for his country. It's just amazing. All right. Let me, let me well, jump in here for a second. I have this on... is, okay, go ahead, Diane. Uh, just one more thing. Um, on okay, our, okay. uh, our Facebook website, Action Radio Election Integrity Project, I have all the addresses. If you want to look onto the website, and it's got all the addresses for to send a letter to the copy of your letter. There is a uh, a letter on there that can show you how to write it, what to say, and you kind of put it in your own words. And then send a copy of that to the Brunson Brothers, and it has their address as well. And also, I suggest if you are feeling generous to put a dollar or two in there to help them with their costs. If you can. But that's all on our website on Action Radio Election Integrity Project. Correct. Do you have 7 com on there, too? That would be great if you could have that on there, too. Oh, it'll be on real quick. We can do it right now, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is fascinating. Um, like I said, Dan, when you, when you have more questions, please just, just uh, jump in here doing a fabulous job. Um, I'm just I'm curious about the inside stuff that we don't hear about. You've got friends. You've got friends on the Supreme Court. You've got the clerk and the researcher and these people. They're, they're walking you through this process in a way that, uh, that I haven't seen. This is fascinating to me. So you, the, there is, there's a split in the government, the untold half of the government that we don't know about, that rejects the Brandon insurrection, that rejects the coup, knows that this is a fraudulent government, is forced to serve under them, and they're disgusted by it. And then you come along and it's like, yeah, I want to help too. But you can't, can we know who these folks are? Are you just happy that they're doing it? Or, or do you realize the friends you have in government? Because this is fascinating to me. Well, you know, we've been contacted by a former like congressman who says that he can get 30 members of Congress, current sitting members of Congress, to sign an amicus brief. It's a little mm. touchy, though, because of the, the both sides are represented. Now, when we communicate with the court, there's only one person that we go through, and that's the case analyst. And I don't want to say who, what her name is that's or fine. his name. And yeah. so, but that's, and there's, and it's just kind of brief, you know, explanations of, of what they request. I mean, we, we really had the format down. It's just like a, they just requested additional information. So we really didn't need any help because my brother had already successfully docketed two petitions with the Supreme Court. So mm-hmm. it was more like, how soon can you get it to us? And now that the 10th Circuit made a decision, what do we do? Here, can we leave it in, take it out? And then the added documents uh, for, yeah, like the motion to dismiss. And we also added the opposition to it as well. So, 
So mm-hmm. it's been, you know, it's been brief conversations, but very to the point and uh, quick, quickly answered. We call them the immediate pick up the phone. It's like there's no waiting on hold or anything like that. So it's been mm-hmm. cool. No, I guess, uh, this is this. I think you're going to find a lot of support from government people, especially Border Patrol and all kinds of other folks that are really going to be grateful. You know, when we get a, a legitimate office back. Um, Diane, let me bring it back to you. And uh, I'll, I always have questions, so don't mind me. <laughs> I got one more question. Um, all right, Pianki, go ahead, quick. I got one Jackie. more question. I, I began to really know how broad and deep this was when you had some state secretaries of state complain about Donald Trump asking mere questions or saying, being that they are the same party, could they work in conjunction to help the party win? And when they turned that in as if he was bribing and threatening, I knew we really had a problem. Yeah. Boy, definitely. Boy, and Dewey, and I think the justices, think about it. Three of the justices have actually voted in favor of Trump-related uh, petitions, lawsuits. And uh, the three that voted in favor were um, Alito and uh, Roberts and uh, Thomas. And so they've been consistent voting in favor of Trump-related lawsuits. But the three that voted against him were the Trump appointees. And I'm thinking the reason they did it is they felt like they, that the whole country would fall apart if they voted in favor of Trump-related lawsuits since they were – and so – and that was Gorsuch and Barrett and, and, uh, and Kavanaugh. And so – but since then, look at the threats that they've received. You know, a member of uh, Senate – Tell yells to the world, we're going to get you, Kavanaugh. We're going to get you, Barrett. I mean, that incites harm. And to do that and get away with it, and then the lack of protection in their homes and all the, the illegal stuff that happened in front of their homes and otherwise protesting against Roe versus Wade. And uh, the fact that they all voted, that they voted in favor of re- overturning Roe versus Wade, I think they're, they are so ready for this. I think these these justices, I think, could go down in history next to the founding fathers because this is a pivotal time in America. And for they, they, you know, our founding fathers put their lives on the line, their livelihoods, their homes, everything. And so they have an opportunity now to really step forward and, and just continue, just cleanse the situation and put us back on track. And so this could be an extremely historical moment. Now, if, and I don't think it's, I can't even imagine them not letting this move forward or even adjudicating it right now before conference date. They could have this completely executed and done before the 6th of January. And so I just can't imagine how they could possibly, a vote against this would be a vote against the Constitution and their oath. I'm thinking it's possible that the U.S. Solicitor General their conscience was pricked and saw that this was only about the oath of office. It's not interpreting the Constitution, but it's about investigation, regardless of what the outcome might be in the future and has been in the past. And so I, I actually think that, it's, that we're going to see maybe um, the US, U.S. Solicitor General has conceded and supported a positive decision with this. And it could be a smooth transition, too. There are special op teams that are broadcast uh, trained that could go into the station, to the broadcast stations. They could remove the three directors of the Federal Communication Commission for not keeping the roles and keeping the airways clean of slander and, and defamation of our Constitution. And so we could, we could wake awesome. up some morning and turn on the news, and we could see new faces. Uh, it would be like a receivership. It's like there's some problems, and there have been a lot of lies uh, promoters here, and they could correct that. And I think we could see a smooth transition. And think of the campaigns replacing these uh, these vacancies. Uh, the campaigns would be 
totally in support of all this. You talk about hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars throughout the country replacing these 385 uh, vacancies. So um, I'm very hopeful, and uh, and boy, if that happened, I'll tell you, we would have one heck of a unusual holiday season coming up and a merry, hmm. merry Christmas. Well, I'm well, have you heard of the hold on a second. I want to get I want to get Diane in, uh, another questions here for a bit for for a while as much as possible. Uh, Diane, I'm hoping well, I'm hoping that they don't make this decision until January 21st because if if they bring Trump in before that, then he won't get to serve another term. So um, well, they can do anything. I, you know, they they can they can yeah. Who knows what they can do? I, yeah, it's just kind of it's interesting to be able to talk about the possibilities. But they can do. They're, they're the, this, who's going to appeal their decision? You can't. Yeah. They're it. There's that. Greg came up with some really interesting things. We were talking the other day, and um, and they the Congress left the Senate and the House uh, the day that they called the insurrection, but they left the the floors of the Senate and the House of orders at 2 p.m. Greg. And then they didn't yep. show back up until like eight and nine o'clock at night. So what were they doing? during the seven hours because they don't write anything into the congressional records at all about what happened. And all these candidates had come in to uh, Washington, D.C. that day, and a lot of them from the contested state, to contest this election. And uh, we wonder what happened underneath the Capitol during those seven, eight hours that are undocumented. And then they all came back up and uh, voted. So, oh sure. They, yeah. Also, there was a required report that that didn't that didn't happen. That wasn't presented. Yeah. That was supposed to before the electoral vote was certified. I was on. Uh, there's two incredible ladies. They call themselves Red, Right, and Blue. It's uh, it's Tracy and Holly, and they had an attorney on talking, and he had evidence showing some of these things. Pretty interesting. Yeah. So they really they really uh, hurt us as a country, and they violated their oath. And uh, for them to waive the Constitution in that hearing like they were obedient to the Constitution and they were like pounding their chest that they're, they're going to keep their oath of office, it's like, oh, my gosh, how unbelievably bad that is to just say they're going to certify an elector votes when they don't even know for sure whether they're real elector votes and they wouldn't pause for 10 days. So that was – so this, is, this has got to happen. We just need this. So I would have loved yeah. to hear that just the transcription or, or video or whatever of all the conversations that happened under the cap on January yeah. 6th. Yeah. It was yeah. Well, I, army I, I, who was and the voting for what? Yeah, we call that the talk. In other words, uh, this is me again, uh, Greg. When, uh, when Congress recessed, as they say, and they went underground, uh, there was absolutely nothing in the congressional record. This is what uh, Diana and I were talking about. Uh, I, my theory is that's, the, that's when the coup really took place. So the real coup is the one that happened under yeah. the Capitol that they got the talk, that anybody who was uh, even questioning, you know, if they had a majority of people who might question the state, and the states that were being questioned are the battleground states with the Trump electors. And so the Achilles heel of this entire coup are the Trump electors. And if the Brandon electors get overturned, then the Trump electors take in, and, and Trump, you know, is where he should be, you know, back in the White House. Um, so is that a part of the case at all? Are you investigating that? Is that an arguing point? No, we've, the, we've made it a okay. point not to, not to focus at all on the outcome, because that's been the problem with previous cases, is they okay. focused on the outcome, and that's why they were tossed. So we were really fortunate to, to be inspired, I guess you could say, to, to keep it clean from any kind of a political 
kind of how did that come about? How did how did you come about with that strategy then? Well, my brother Roland, in his case, uh, actually decided to talk to the U.S. attorney as head of in charge of the case and head of the civil cases in Utah. And he said, just tell me, give me your opinion, what's going on here? And he was, the U.S. attorney was kind enough to just open up and explain to him over the phone how he felt about the whole thing. So he came back to the table and says, look, we cannot make it about, uh, about who won and who should have won. And uh, he explained genius. it to us and we agreed. So we, yeah, so he, Rollins just pulled it off and just got in there and okay. talked, wasn't afraid to talk to his attorneys. And usually, you know, you know, if you're in a lawsuit, your attorney won't let you talk to the opposite side, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Rollins, the plaintiff, and, and he doesn't have an attorney, and he calls and talks to the chief uh, U.S. attorney representing the defendants, which was really smart. And uh, the U.S. attorney was honest with him, and so that was a huge plus. That would, could have never happened if we'd had representation. There's no way. Yeah. So they would have yeah. never talked to you if you'd had a lawyer. Yeah. yeah. I have to jump in. I gotta jump in just for a second. We've got a caller who's been on hold for a while. I don't recognize the number and I'm not gonna take an unscreen call at this particular time. So if you go to live chat, tell me who you are and uh and then I'll I'll, I'll see if I can get you on the line with a question. Uh, otherwise we have a you know, the next star will be taking questions. Um Diane back to you and Pianki, we'll get back to you for a question. I just want to make sure we get uh, all Diane's questions answered first. Diane? Uh well what's next steps, Lloyd? Actually, uh, the next step would be, I really don't think that there's going to be a conference on a six. This thing has to be completely adjudicated and executed before then. I can't imagine that. But in case it does happen, go into conference and it moves forward, then we we prepare an opening brief and we go prepare for uh, for arguments in front of the justices. That's the normal round, You'll, but they don't have to do that because it's an emergency petition, so they don't even have to have a hearing. And it wouldn't make sense that they would have a hearing. I'm hoping that the Solicitor General is helping them and conceding, and, and so we wouldn't have to have a hearing. And uh, that's what makes sense to me, really, is that we would, there would be no hearing and that the Solicitor General would be cooperating. The Solicitor General is Elizabeth Preloader, and I've done a little research, and you can see her in a Senate hearing where the senator is questioning her about why she chose to reverse the decision. She was representing the U.S. government, and she on her own, without consulting any government official whatsoever, switched her position. And she was being raked over the coals by the senator that she – how dare she do this? I think she was wrong. She shouldn't have done it. But but she was so wrong with her decision based on who she was representing – that it was a nine to zero Supreme Court vote against her decision. So the liberal justices and the conservative justices were both against her on this. And she was trying to make a, a more lenient uh, punishments for drug dealers. And so the government was against that. And so were the conservative, and so were the all nine justices. So she could do she could do anything with this if she participated. She could easily concede uh, and. Uh, and help this case move forward, which would do nothing but help everyone. I have friends that are Democrats. I say, what do you want most out of your representatives? And they say, honesty. I mean, that's pretty exactly. easy. And that's what Some this integrity. is about. It's yeah. Not, it's, yeah, there's no interpretation of the Constitution. It's just a binding oath that's not binding and making your representatives honest. And if there's a security breach, they should be removed and never be allowed to participate in a breach again, secure our secure security by removing people that would be a weak link or that would allow such a breach to happen. Mm-hmm. Do you have um, the people of America? 
the Could people do. of America are really sick of the, the rules for thee and the rules for me. And it's gotten yeah, very exactly. old. And I think yeah. a lot yeah. of people are waking up to that. Uh, Pianchi, he had a yep. question, didn't he? I think so. Go ahead, Pianchi. Then I'll ask mine. Yeah, what I was going to say is that there's a move to impeach Clarence Thomas. <clears throat> and in all your uh, work and investigation, where is all this centered from? This has to well, be all the work, it's, it's, it's really basic. Think about it. Think about it. Going back to the Constitution, they've sworn to uphold and defend it against all enemies, domestic and foreign. Foreign, you know, it's like Article Six is very clear. People need to open up a copy of the Constitution or go to sevendiscoveries.com and get mine that has these highlighted clauses, these power clauses of Q and A that have never been published before to draw attention to these power clauses that we need to be aware of. But it's very clear: it shall be bound by oath, and they're not. They're not bound by oath. They've given themselves immunity. And if they had been bound by oath, none of this stuff would have happened. I wonder even how many of the representatives have even opened up and read the Constitution. I've talked to representatives and they think that if it's not specifically uh, identified as something they cannot do, if they don't find restrictions, they can go right ahead and do it. And it's like, are you kidding me? That's like if you're a parent and you come home after a trip and leave your teenage kids there and they've got a big big crazy party in the basement, you know, in a bonfire, and they say, look, there's a list on the fridge. It wasn't the bonfire downstairs was not included in the things we couldn't do. I mean, it's so absurd. They're so completely <laughs> disconnected from the Constitution. And it's like, well, no wonder they're going crazy and doing anything they want because they're not, they don't have a binding oath. So get, this could fix that. We're talking about, I used to talk about how we send representatives to Washington, D.C. with mops to mop up the flood. And it's like, well, no, we need to send someone with a wrench, shut off the dang valve, right? Let's stop the flood and then fix the leaks. And that's what this would do. Absolutely. Is there any precedent for this? Um, the, the Supreme Court loves No, precedent. absolutely they, they, not. That's no. what I'm curious. Okay, no, go ahead. Tell me. Yeah. It's a, it, someone did a, an attorney did a surge while I was on being interviewed, and he tried to find a, a, just a docketed Rule 11, a Supreme Court Rule 11 docketed petition. And he mm-hmm. could only find two, and one, the last one was in the 70s when the government brought a Supreme Court petition Rule 11 uh, having to do with the Nixon administration. So this no, has not never that, been just, done. Just holding uh, the representatives or anybody in government accountable for their oath of office. See, I don't think that's ever been done. No. One of the failings we've found no, in the Constitution. No, it has, you're right. Yeah, no, but we talked about this on the no, show. And I, Go ahead. Yeah. And again, because it would hurt their people. They've got their favorite representatives, and they don't want to do right. anything that would hurt their guy, right? I think that's the yeah. reason. Yeah. No, and, and the Constitution does not have penalties. In other words, you violate the First Amendment, Second Amendment, you know, Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment. I don't, I don't worry about soldiers quartering in our homes. But there's no penalty for that. And the only one I know, and I don't know if you can incorporate this in the lawsuit, Title 18, Section 241, Conspiracy Against Rights. When two or more people conspire to deny or disparage the exercise or enjoyment of any constitutional right, that's a felony. That's punishable by jail and fines. And is, is that a part of your Beautiful. That's one you of our that? causes of action, civil conspiracy. Okay. That's one of our causes oh. of action. Absolutely. And well, also that. Article 3 of the Constitution. Yeah, Article 3 of the Constitution defines treason as giving aid and comfort to enemies of the United States. And that's what this is as well. And it only takes two witnesses to convict a person mm-hmm. guilty of treason in a court of law. And we have 100 witnesses mm-hmm. that they rejected. So this is a pretty serious situation. I love it. I mean, I, I love everything you do. I'm only, from... I'm only asking just to just for our own information to make sure all of are covered. Yeah, that, back to you, Diane. Yeah. Great comment. Thank you. People, well, people uh, keep calling it fraud, and we need to start calling it treason. What are they? Fraud is one of the causes, actually. Keep... This is 
Well, yeah, this is, see, well, this is a civil complaint. This is actually a personal injury complaint, mm-hmm. okay? And uh, so then there's also a request for, uh, for, uh, for the defendants to be turned over to the Department of Justice for criminal investigation. And if, if, if cons- the conspiracy action, uh, attorneys won't accept multiple defendants when there's a conspiracy cause of action. They could be held accountable for malpractice because they could end up being co- hostile co-defendants. Let's say one defendant encouraged another and the other was kind of coerced into becoming part of the conspiracy. Well, one would be more culpable and liable than the other. And so an attorney shouldn't represent more than one of the defendants. Now, the attorneys represented all 388 of these guys, these people. And so if this if if criminal action is is moves forward, they would I think they would have to get separate they would need to get separate attorneys and every law firm they go to would have to do a special background search to make sure there was no connection with any of the other 387 defendants. So that might be a pretty difficult thing to do, but that's I mean that's just kind of an interesting point of the whole thing. Do you, do you find that not being a lawyer has been an advantage in this process? I think so, absolutely, because I'm not bogged down with any of the any of the you know uh, doctrines that might have been presented going to law school. Not only are we not attorneys, we're not even high school graduates. Wow. Except, Which goes to prove how dangerous the government education is. Uh, this is fascinating. Well, I think so. <laughs> I think so. My brothers were taught by my mom. She taught us all. She says, if you you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. But you've got to be realistic. But dream big. And you, if you want to go to be the best at something, you do that. And so two of my brothers, I remember, they were preteens. They were, they were in, the, in, the, in, in a closet in the upstairs of our house practicing like before 6 a.m. every morning because they decided they wanted to be the best trumpet players in the world. But that was after they decided they were going to – they wouldn't go to school. They were sloughers, right? <laughs> my dad was a school teacher. And so he says, you guys, you guys are out of control. He says, I can't do anything about it, you know, so, so it's on you. Your lives are on you. You're now accountable for your future. If you want to screw it up, it's on you. Go ahead and keep slapping. And they took him seriously. I think it was just kind of, you know, trying, trying, to, trying to do a mind game on him or something. But they took him seriously. And so they got dug in and got, did their GEDs really quickly, took the test, passed to graduate from high school at a super young age, and they submitted – everything. And then the, at the last minute, the, the school district wouldn't let them have their GDs because they were too young. So they thought to help with that, right? So they decided to be the world's greatest oh, wow. trumpet players. And so that ended up, you know, over 60 national television shows and a lot of touring and a lot of, you know, I remember when we played uh, with the Tonight Show band and rehearsal, Doc came over to us and, and, and stood in front of my brother, Roland, who's the petitioner says you just played one full step higher than anything i've ever recorded playing high notes on the trumpet or you know trumpet players like to be able to play high notes so uh, they my brothers are amazing amazing guys well, listen, and they I was have, a, back to the school will, thing they haven't i was a failed trumpet player and, and became a tuba player <laughs> and then end up playing a solo on my knees in college so i'm, I'm well with you on the music and music's amazing oh Can't cool. a quick question, then i got to cool. i want to tell a solo about action radio about what we do here before he, he before he leaves us so go ahead Pianki, quick question well i'm ordering your material on your site so i'm spending money greg don't bother me Oh, okay. Well, no problem. Keep keep spending. Um, but uh, this is fascinating. I want to, you know, if you guys are trumpet players, I want to see if we get YouTube videos and things like that. Um, 
you can stay to the, through the next hour if you want to. I don't really have anything planned for it. But if you have to go, I understand that, too. But it's been such okay. a pleasure to have okay. you on uh, to be able to do this. But let me just tell okay. you a little bit what we do here. This is uh, sure. what I like to say, the world's most unique radio show. Because what we do, we have actually created a citizen legislature. And so our website is writeyourlaws.com. That's W-R-I-T-E. Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. And I'm sure uh, Diane has contact information. I'll, I'll be happy to send that to you. But I want to work with you. You know, when this comes down a bit, yes. when you have a chance, we rewrite bills. So you're approaching this from the judicial angle. We approach it from the legislative angle. So I have a bill uh, that I think you're going to love. It's a constitutional amendment that takes away the power of Congress to borrow money. That would cure just an amazing amount of bills. We have a bill that puts full well, product. Uh, go ahead. Great, great. You need, okay. you need to get my book because Jefferson, as you know, said, told them, he says, if you put the borrowing clause in the Constitution, it will destroy this country. If you well, think about it. The that's first where I got time, the idea. And this is, this is from my <laughs> book. Yeah, oh, well, cool. Yeah, this okay. is from my book. It has seven discoveries that you should, everyone should know and how and why okay. promoting socialism is a felony. And it, I get into the Federal Reserve briefly and talk about Kennedy mm. and Franklin. And, okay. and, What's the name of the book? Uh, Abraham Lincoln. It's the it's the revolutionary consti- pocket constitution, but it's got much more in it, and it's available at Seven Discoveries. I'm out, but I'm just just getting another shipment in within the next mm-hmm. few days, and so for fifteen dollars you can, and then you do volume discounts as well. But uh, if you think about it, the first and this I have to explain this. The first mm-hmm. ten Go amendments ahead. were defined by Congress as further declaratory and restrictive clauses to the Seven Articles, so they're pretty powerful, and mm-hmm. uh, the Fifth Amendment. The last line says, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. Okay, so and then involuntary servitude is against the law, 13th Amendment. And so I was talking to, before I started writing my books, I was talking to the owner of the National Center for Constitutional Studies, and I said, hey, I'm finding some stuff, and I can't see anywhere on the Internet, anywhere that anyone has connected these dots before. And he says, well, share with me what you're talking about. So for a half hour, I talked about this, some of these concepts, and he says, wow, he says, you're right. I've never heard this before. We want to publish those concepts. So Mm. one of these concepts is the last line of the Fifth Amendment nullifies, changes, cancels out the borrowing clause. The tax clauses and the gold and silver clause. You can't have your your gold and silver taken from you to back up a central banker's money. And so I know this is really a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow, but if you get into it, and I used to be a big, you know, you got to have your money backed with gold and silver, and I've had discussions about this. Like, okay, well, the Constitution says you can determine its value. So if you want to do that, uh, go ahead and back it with a trillionth of an ounce of gold. Now you've got it backed with gold and silver. So I've talked to Stephen Moore about this too, and he agreed with me. It's like if we were successful in cleaning up the Federal Reserve and enforce their nonprofit status, that would give us a tax-free system. We have it, the Constitution is so brilliant; it's a tax-free system. If we had righteous, honest, good people uh, in government, and if we took back and owned our own currency, and so. I tell people, I say, look, let's not destroy what we have. Let's, let's clean it up. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Our current economic system, our currency is working. If we get rid of socialism, get rid of the corruption, and get all of the extreme number of trillions of dollars of real valuable assets returned to the taxpayer, we would have a tax-free system. And I know how controversial that sounds and is, but uh, – Do you want to write a bill it, on it? it? I think it, Do you want to write it into a absolutely. bill? Absolutely. Well, there absolutely. We It'd be totally <laughs> Welcome to Action Radio. Yeah, we need to <laughs> – Yeah, JFK started doing it. 
JFK okay. started doing it. Abraham Lincoln started doing it. And I talk about that in my book. And so I mm-hmm. need to get – I want to get one to every single person in America. I've, I've got a marketing campaign in place where where people can uh, to get it to 160 million homes. And it's like uh, – you know, it's like uh, what's the cost? Like three hundred thousand dollars or something per sponsor would do that, or maybe less. So, mm. yeah. Well, if you have any sponsors left over, we can certainly uh, uh, use some help hey. at Action Radio because we're I'm blocked well, ever since it came out. You know, March second of twenty twenty that, that the the COVID government policy is a hoax. We don't need the vaccine. We have early treatments. This is a bunch of nonsense. I've been censored like you wouldn't believe. I'm sorry. Like, go ahead. Well, we'll have to put a full page in there for you. Well, thank you. Get it to uh, oh, get it to hundred sixty million homes. <laughs> All right. Action Radio, taking action. Oh, thank you. Listen, you got get, it. Well, see, and that's the thing. We get the numbers, we get the people, we get people. And, and you know, people don't have to do anything. Just share our bills and, and share the shows and share the knowledge. And then if everybody starts writing and emailing the links of the bills to news, to Congress, to local governments, state, you know, legislatures as appropriate, that's, that's we, the, the American citizenry is our lobbying force. And there's more of us than oh, there. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. Hmm. And it's only two cents for a sponsor for a quarter of a page per mail stop. And that's 160. So yeah, so we're talking uh, not a lot of money for, and it would be a tax write-off because it's uh, advertising. So yeah. we'll get this message to every home in America we'll with a with a hard copy of the Constitution. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Let's, okay. So so when you're not busy, let me know, and or, or talk to Dan. We'll, we'll get we'll switch communication stuff off the air, and then we'll do that. Um, I'm going to turn this over, and I still have a caller. I, like I say, I'm hesitant to take a call just because I don't know the number. So if you can say yourself on live chat, then uh, then I'll be able to know who you are. I'll tell you what, I'll, let me just leave the show for a minute. Let me find out who this is. And Diane, I'm going to turn this over sure. to you, and uh, you can tell me what I missed. I'll be right back. Okay. Hello, Diane. I, what I think? Oh, I would be very interested to somehow do an audit for the Fed, because I don't think they've ever been audited. Oh, absolutely. A thorough audit would show a thorough audit would show trillions upon trillions of real assets, not just money, but we're talking global corporations that really belong to the Treasury. Because we know you know that we we know they're nonprofit. They're supposed to return everything over and above their operating expenses to the Treasury and they return a few million dollars. And Tucker's talked a little bit about this, but I think he was they shut him up. Where it's say if, if a trillion's created out of thin air, why are we being taxed for it? And that's a good question. That's a question everyone should be asking. I tell people, I say, You you've got to understand money before you'll understand the Constitution and that's why I have a chapter in there dedicated to money and the, the privately owned central banking system that is supposed to be nonprofit, but they are just the opposite. Yeah. So I'm Alan here. Grayson was in the congressional. On. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just listening. This is great. Oh, okay. Did you find out who the caller okay. was? No, they're just listening. The, the, the people do, they just call and listen okay. sometimes, and, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah there's, but, um, there's some great – you know, if you want to see Brunson Brothers on YouTube, uh, do a mm-hmm. search Brunson Brothers History. That will show national television clips, and that's the funnest one. shows Roland giving a trumpet lesson to Regis Philbin, and he's really a great yeah. sport trying to get another trumpet. We have him playing lead on the Rocky theme, <laughs> and he's just blowing his guts out trying to get a note. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah, and then there's a if you do a YouTube search for uh, I think it was Congressman Alan Grayson was interviewing. He's had a few interviews with someone from mm-hmm. the Fed. It might have been Ben Bernanke or someone in the Fed where they're talking about nine trillion dollars, and he says where'd that money go? And and there's and the Fed person is saying, don't worry about it. It's not part of the tax debt. It's like, excuse me, 
Oh, so mean? you guys are creating the $9 trillion, and you're not billing us for it. Oh, well, how wonderful is that? What the hell are you doing with $9 trillion? And they're basically saying we can't reveal the identities of the receivers of the $9 trillion because we have a contract with them, and it would just cause the world to explode, basically. I mean, they didn't Making say that. Making stuff up. And it's like, yeah. are you, it's like $9 trillion? And then we're wondering why we have so much opposition in the world and so much corruption in politics. I mean, there's the gusher yeah. right there. We've got to get control of our money, and we've got to well, before I, we can uh, do anything else. I have a couple of bills that also might interest you. One of them says that nobody has any income withheld for federal income tax during the time they're earning their standard deduction, which is most, what most people take. So they get their money this year instead of having applied to it next year and waiting for the government to, to take all the interest out of your money. That's one. Another well, one we have a third. My plan is to return everyone's taxes. Everyone's taxes need to be returned with penalties and interest. There need to be some yeah. kind of a plan because we don't even need we don't even need sales tax. I met with Congressman Alan Grayson when he was mm-hmm. a Democrat, and Mike Lee agreed to meet. Mike Lee canceled the appointment that I flew out there. He canceled it the day I showed up. Didn't tell me, so I ended up spending time with Alan Grayson, and he told mm-hmm. me about a trillion dollar platinum coin that the Democrats had decided to create with Obama, right? And he mm-hmm. says that they were stopped, and I said, well, who stopped you? He said, and it, there was a, it would have been a disaster because it's the right thing in the wrong hands. And <laughs> so he says it would have been a disaster, and I says, well, who stopped you? And he says, uh, the Secretary of Treasury and the Chair of the Federal Reserve. And it's like the concept is correct, but just auditing the Fed and getting all the assets back to the Treasury so it could be returned to the taxpayers would far exceed the federal debt. The Federal Reserve loans a trillion dollars to China, and China then loans it to our Congress, and our Congress supports that. Our Congress, it's like every member of Congress has been vetted and financed by the Federal Reserve System shareholders, the international bankers, because that's who they're protecting. They're supposed to protect us against counterfeiters, and they're protecting the thieves of our currency, the counterfeiters of the world that are counterfeiting and billing us for it when they loan it to us. I... I, I was asking people. Well, I asked. I, think I asked. Come just, yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, we go. were loaning money. We were okay. loaning money from. We were loaning money from China and giving it to Ukraine too. <laughs> exactly. We borrow our own money from China, and then our, their corrupt representatives give it to to other people. I I was. I asked Congressman Alan West, and I'm a, bit, I'm a fan of his, and I said, when the U.S. Bureau of Engraving and Printing prints a $100 bill, just as an example, the cost is about $0.15, cents, who gets the $99.85? Now, here's a member of the U.S. House of Representatives, famous, brilliant man, and these people are so busy, I think they have so much on their plate, they don't have time to think about the gusher. They're mopping, right? And he looked at me, and he says, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. That's like being on a 747 and saying, hey, how do you land this thing? Who's the pilot? (laughs) I don't know. Right. You're asking the pilot, and he doesn't know. So we're crashing into the ground every single day, and we don't even know that because it's so hidden. The casualties are just not even numbers. They're not even statistics. And it's like, this has got to be stopped. We've got to wake up and overthrow the modern-day money changers, and that's what they are. Well, see, this is why I focus on legislation, because everybody's focusing on candidates. Yeah. And if you replace one corrupt candidate with another corrupt candidate, or you have term limits and you shorten the terms of the corrupt candidates, you still got corrupt candidates. The only way that I see doing this is reversing what happens now. Special interest, 
pay for laws. They buy them from Congress. Get them to the president to sign to the regulatory agencies to regulate us. I want to reverse that. So we write the laws. I mean, our mission statement, we the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed is a reversal of that process. So we generate the laws. Then we send them to Congress. Then we lobby them, advocate them, hopefully signed by the president, a real one, to the regulatory agencies to regulate the special interests. So we basically reverse the way, the way things are done right now. That's the plan. Yeah, so that we make what? a great team, writeyourlaws.com and, uh, mm-hmm. and Lloyd Brunson, man, you absolutely. And we enforce yeah. the oath of that. office, and it's all going to work beautifully together. It's like mm-hmm. just enforcing the oath would do it because the Constitution is pretty clear. Yeah. We have, um, we have an 18-year-old constitutional reporter who sent me a bill when she was 17 that anybody running for office has to take the immigration citizenship test um, before they can qualify to run. And then anybody in office Beautiful. would have to take the same test. We have kids. Beautiful. We would have a 16-year-old reporter doing, doing similar stuff, writing bills as well. But that's the kind of thing that's out that's there. People great. are geniuses. We just have to let them go. Great. They are. Absolutely. That's incredible. And so once we strip their immunity, it's wide open, wide open to correct it because it's mm-hmm. going to be retroactive. You'll be able to bring civil lawsuit claims against what's happened in the past. Wow. This has been fascinating. We're actually at the end okay. of our hour. If you want to stick around, if anybody else has questions, you're welcome to. But if you have to go, I understand. I'm going to try to information. stick around as long as I can. Okay, great. Well, let's get, your, let's get your, your websites once again. Any other contact information, your book, let's put it all in one place. And I'll mark my, uh, uh, my, my tape here so that, or our podcast so I can tell people where it is. Great. I've been following SevenDiscoveries.com. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Diane. Go ahead, Lloyd. SevenDiscoveries.com. And that has a link to Roland Brunson, and that's going to have a link to more stuff about the Brunson brothers and the music and all that, too. Is, that okay. a, is it seven spelled out or the number seven? Yeah, number seven. It number works seven. both ways, seven but I just say do the number seven, discoveries with an S, dot com. Well, Pianchi's already buying stuff. Okay. <laughs> you know, so that's all right. <laughs> Pianchi, do you want to tell <laughs> me about you. your bill? Let's, 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 exactly. Let's bring him back in because Pianchi's written uh, a couple of bills, but he's got a big one on elections and, sure. uh, and ballots. Pianchi, do you want to explain that real quick? Yeah, sure. Yeah, and I just completed my purchase, and I like this new uh, pay method. <clears throat> you don't have to go through some of these uh, woke uh, methods. But, no, my bill would, uh, as spelled out in, uh, I think it's Article 1, I'm not sure. I, I get them mixed up, Article 1 or Article 3. But uh, the federal ballot, the candidates for federal government, Congress, U.S. Senator, and your president, vice president, should be on separate ballots from that of state and local. And they have their own peculiar vetting system similar to the U.S. passport. Uh, the ballots would be uh, go through a process of counting them right there. Uh, they would be tallied right there. And the results will be called in, witnessed by uh, the people who have been bonded that's working there on the federal ballot. It wouldn't take but a minute. And the reason why is because the states, your states can do whatever they want to. Uh, you got some states, some municipalities that allow illegals to vote. So if illegals are voting down ballot, there's nothing to prevent them from scooting up ballot and putting marks right. by the federal candidates. And you never would know if they did or not. Oh, you know, the more I'm listening, the more I love writeyourlaws.com. Yeah, we need to be partners. Absolutely. Oh, I'm in. I'm absolutely oh, in. Makes, well, you know, it's so interesting. <laughs> uh, Thanks, the original Constitution, I think the, originally the Constitution was the first 
place winner for the president would be president. The second place winner would be vice president. And if they're keeping, if they if they have a binding oath, who cares what party they belong to? Instead of well, being opposite, they would compete for who's the most constitutional, right? And so that's an interesting and then, point. I actually yeah, abolish have, parties. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, sure. Yeah. Why do we need parties? Parties are corrupt and they're clubs. They get away with murder. I, yeah. I've run for U.S. Senate a couple of times. I didn't campaign oh. at all. I didn't spend any money, but I wanted the opportunity to speak in front of 4,000 delegates. It allows me the opportunity because it's a, it's a caucus system here. And so I, I get to get up think. and yell at 4,000 state yeah. delegates. I can yell at them, say anything I want. It doesn't matter because I know I don't have a chance of winning because it's such a political game. But in this last convention, I had state delegates telling me that the clickers, if you wanted, you could take a picture of the number on the back of it so you could to check the number on the website, and but you don't have to do that. And they were handing out clickers to non-credentialed people. One of the four charges telling me it couldn't believe it was happening. And so I was having a couple of people telling me that they clicked for me, and it went to Mike Lee. And it's like, okay, there so you, you go. There's a club, and they can get away with anything they want. Vote yeah, fraud. exactly. Well, see, but because they're a club. Yeah. You know, yeah, but I wouldn't ban party membership for people, you know, obviously out in the general public, but for people who are in office, in a legislative office, and those who are running for office should not be able to belong to a party. And if we can get the parties out of Congress, there's no majority party because the, the minority party, the, 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 right. I call them the gelding, uh, the gelding old party, the GOP. So the gelding old party, uh, currently the minority, uh, has no voice because the House Speaker is a Democrat and she rules everything. So you, half the Congress is not – so you want to do a lawsuit? I would say that party membership disenfranchises the minority party and everybody in their district Absolutely. and everybody in their state. So there's, there's, there's a bill Absolutely. for you, if you're interested. There you go. Let's do that. And the Constitution okay. is very clear. We can't deprive anyone their right to participate in any election or primary. And that's mm -hmm. what the parties do. They exclude those people. So there's a constitutional authority there that would, could be included in the lawsuit. Okay. We need to get the whole brothers on as a panel one day. This would be fascinating. And play some trumpet, too. Yeah. <laughs> this is fun. Exactly. All right. I, I don't have anything else. You guys, uh, Pianchi, Diane? Both we, got a point. Uh, I, I we, pretty much asked everything. Well, let's, uh, let me yeah. ask you a question. Who's We've brought up about, Go ahead. Go ahead, Diane. What about well, – I was going to tell him uh, – we've had some thoughts on fixing our elections, like removing the uh, the machines and – because I think there's just no transparency with them, and it's, we're just going to have a selected electors instead of elected. So, but we would like, we've heard some really good ideas about, like, getting jury panels selected, like using the military that are retired or first responders mm -hmm. to have them actually count the votes that night. Almost like a jury panel where no one knows who they are. And, and hopefully, you know, have some people who are dedicated and serving as their their mission for life and their jobs and have them be counting the votes the night of elections and try to make our precincts down to a thousand people but just try to secure our election that's your bill oh and sure and i think i want to see yeah yeah Lloyd? and i love that idea that would go hand in hand with that with the the, the gal out there that's, uh, you know, it's about t taking a test. I thought of putting an educational program together where you actually be certified. I call it American Public Office Certification, where you would have to reaffirm, reaffirm your oath and you would have to take tests. And based on your level of understanding of the Constitution, you would, you know, just like black belt karate or something. And so, so that's actually, that would, I, I, yeah. No, that's a good point. I'll tell you why. Because one of the problems we ran into is the Constitution spells out eligibility requirements um, for Congress, and there's nothing that says that, that a test can be involved. But if we do it as an independent certification, if somebody were to run and say, yes, I'm constitutionally certified, I passed this test, here's what I got for a score, you know, and that would be a better – we could do it privately. 
and people that don't want to take the yeah, test. Yeah, and that's a, you know, that saves a lot of time of? vetting. It's like, yeah, it's okay. a, it saves a lot of time. It's sort of, sort of like I don't have any criminal uh, felony convictions against me. Okay, that's a plus. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, I wasn't born in yeah, Kenya. Absolutely. That's a plus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was born in the, the United States with parents and with both citizens. Yep. What's that? Well, our, we have a we have a group here that we're um, looking for candidates to run, and the first thing that we're going to do is a background check. So, yeah, and then, absolutely. You know, that's, that's a really good idea to have them, you know, look at the Constitution, tell us what you know about the Constitution, and because yeah. we only want constitutionalists to run. Well, and if we strip the, the, the immunity, the if, they, if they, yeah. Hold on, Pianchi. The same requirement should be All held right. in schools. Uh, the the schools must teach the founding documents. Uh, the schools must uh, teach uh, the the wars that the United States have been in, from the Revolutionary War on. They should they should watch videos. Every student before they graduate from high school, at their junior or senior year, should watch at least two videos of each war we've been in. That should be a requirement to graduate, knowing the Constitution. In the documents from the Confederate Papers, I'm sorry, from the Article of Confederation, all through. Lord? Absolutely, yes, in Article Lord. One, Section Eight of the Constitution, you know, people stop with guns, uh, the Second Amendment, but Article One, Section Eight explains that uh, the laws of the Union, which is the Constitution of the United States, the Congress has the power to fund our education and protection of it. It's called the militia. So we can start an education militia that can be funded according to the Constitution by the Congress to teach and be educated by uh, the Constitution so that we can defend it. And not only does the Constitution allow funding for a constitutional education for everyone, but it also provides funding to, to uh, discipline and train and the bearing of arms. So it could be gun safety courses. And I'm saying that the government, according to the Constitution, has the power to fund uh, ammunition and training and arms based on the qualifications of those, just like the military. You know, you can't ha- you're not allowed to have any arm you want, but if you're trained and you're qualified, citizens could be trained and qualified if they wanted to in the bearing of arms that can be used in military you know, practices with, with the note of the Constitution for the purpose of protecting the Union which is the purpose, one of the purposes of the militia is to protect the laws of the union, protect the constitution. So. I love this. I'll give you a round of applause. (laughs) (laughs) When you're talking about education militia, we have a bill um, and that, uh, that, offers tax credits and, and tax uh, deductions for the purchase of, of firearms, ammunition, uh, hunting licenses, range fees, training, and things like that. It's our Second Amendment uh, enhancement uh, kind of thing because, oh. as we say, that, that low-income people should, should not be denied uh, their rights, their, oh. their access to quality firearms and ammunition. That's one of our bills. Um, the other one – Well, this would make over- that free. Okay. Uh, Completely free. free. Wait a minute. Yeah. Free guns? Go ahead. Tell free me. Free arms well, and ammunition. That's part of the discipline. That's Article 1, Section 8. The Congress has the power to raise money for the disciplining of the militia, for the protection of, for the, to enforce the laws of the Union, which is the Constitution. So anyone that takes an oath of the Constitution can prove that they're defenders of the Constitution. The Congress has the full power to fund their discipline, fund the necessary tools, which would be uh-huh. arms and ammunition and training. Hmm. So it wouldn't okay. cost the citizens anything. So anyone that wanted to join the militia could do so, and they would be trained in the Constitution so that they could understand what they're protecting and defending, and they could be armed and given ammunition at no cost. 
according to Article 8. Let me ask you a sort of related question on the Second Amendment, because everybody focuses on the, the, the keeping and bearing of arms. But we were talking about this yesterday, you know, a well-regulated militia being necessary, not just, you know, a nice thing, but being necessary to the security of a free state. Now, most people interpret state yeah. to be a geographic state. You know, Connecticut, Georgia, Alaska, things like that. But what if it was a state that was conditional? In other words, like hunger is a state. Freedom is a state. What if they were actually saying that it's necessary to exist in freedom? You cannot be in a state of freedom unless you have a well-regulated, in other words, a well-armed civilian, you know, militia equivalent, non-government, you know, equivalent yeah. to any infantry soldier. Have, has that well, thought? article. Article 1, Section 8 continues the Second Amendment with the Militia Clause. So if you read Article 1, the part in Article 1, Section 8, it identifies, gives more information that connects uh-huh. to that, that explains some stuff. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, everyone, every patriotic person could actually go through some training, uh, studying the Constitution and being trained in the bearing of arms. And in order to be trained, you've got to be given the arms and the ammunition to be trained. And it could be, you know, you're put on a program where you go and you practice. And it's, you know, we have... What do we have now that people call the militia? Do we have the National Guard? No, mm-hmm. everyone should be should have an opportunity so to be engage yeah. in, yeah, yeah, not just the National Guard, but there's much more to it than that. That everyday citizens could maybe spend a you know a couple few days out of the month, you know, with their training and their of the learning of the Constitution and the training it. of the arms that they could let be me, capable of. I got another question. Yeah, let me give. Let me. I got to leave for a minute. I got a couple of calls to screen, so I'm just going to duck out for a second here. Pianki, go ahead, and I'll I'll, I'll pick up just. In the what next. should be done with the What should be done with the AFT? Alcohol. Well, I think it's it's, it's it's all it's all go back to the Constitution. We've got to enforce the oath of office, and we've got to make everything constitutional. And I think there are a lot of smart people out there that could really get involved and begin a discussion. Like right now, just with this petition, people are seeing that, that, that our representatives have given themselves immunity, and they see how wrong that is. That's low-hanging fruit. You can go to a constitutional study course for months and not get that and, not, and come out of it going, hey, I know a lot more about history, but it's like, what about the Constitution? And so there are contradictions in the Constitution. We talked about the last line of the Fifth Amendment, you know, nullifying the tax clauses, but there are a lot of tax clauses. Our representatives, our conservative ones, believe that everything works together. There's contradictions. You can't have the last line of the Fifth Amendment and then believe we can be taxed. There's the, the last line of the Fifth Amendment nullifies all taxation whatsoever, and the government does not need any taxation whatsoever if we get control of the creation of money, which is what Article 8, 1, Section 8. It talks about with the with the coining or creation of money. So and that's a that's a big learning curve and kind of a debate battle I've been in with some people here, you know, that are conservatives talking about how they feel we need to back money with gold and silver. It's like no, we don't. That's a violation of the Fifth Amendment to do that. We just mm-hmm. need to take control with honest, constitutionally sound people and not give it away, not and and, and control so we don't have counterfeiting, and we can have a tax-free system here. We've got a middleman, and that's why we have taxation. And so they're, you know, they're benefiting at our expense. And can you imagine if we didn't have no taxation, no IRS? I did a little documentary. That would be it's awesome. on YouTube. <laughs> it's on YouTube, and I asked Stephen I'm- Forbes. I was asked, I asked a few people. I said, tell me one sentence or less. That's kind of a joke. How do you do it in less than a sentence? What would you do if you were president? Steve Forbes says, I'd get rid of the IRS. 
get rid of the Federal Reserve and give America freedom again. And that's really the, the basis, the foundation is our money. They take our property through taxation, and taxation is not needed, and all the tax clauses were nullified by the last line of the Fifth Amendment. We don't need to be taxed. We need to enforce the nonprofit status of the Federal Reserve system, or we need to just completely take back the Federal Reserve and make it federal, which it is not right now. We have a treasure. And then if we, we have honest Reserve. people in government, yeah. Yeah, I got a couple of callers here. I got yeah, Warren, who's another it. host. I've got uh, another caller. I just uh, ch- chatted briefly off the air. I'm going to bring on on Sarge. Uh, and so you have a let's make a, a brief comment for for Loy and uh, welcome to Action Radio. Hello, yeah, Sarge. Thank- yeah, hey, how you doing? Do you guys know each uh, other? Great. You. Okay, that's even better. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, we're, we're old pals. We believe me, we've gone over these issues innumerable times. But as, mm-hmm. I, but as I, I was saying to your call screener, as, as I listen to you speaking about these necessary correctives and every single thing you're saying is absolutely vital to restore the Constitutional Republic, and I listen to, to you speaking about the, um, the people just understanding what the Constitutional government is. It's not the, the uh, executive, judicial, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, legislative branches. It is we the people, number one, number two, the sovereign states, and number three, the federal government, in roughly that order, depending on where the Constitution ranks them. But as I listen to you talk about these things, you know, uh, uh, you know, everything you said is vital to be done. It's, it used to be called basic civics. What we have to sure. understand is the why these, why these, why we're speaking of these things in these desperate terms, is because the progressive left, and the, aided by the Democratic Party has done everything they can in the last 50 to 60 years, portrayed those very measures as being rooted in genocide, slavery, oppression, patriarchy, uh, uh, denigration of women, and so on and so forth. All of it. So whenever you speak about these restoring these things, the first thing they will tell you is, well, the Second Amendment was rooted in the need to catch slaves as they ran away from the plantation. And hundreds of thousands of people have bought into this. I mean, when I was yeah. in high school, when I was in yeah. high school, our ROTC department had in its armory 44 M1 rifles, two Browning automatic rifles, three M1 carbines, two 45 caliber pistols, and one M3 submachine gun. Right there in high school in Chicago, Chicago Vocational School in Chicago, we had an army. We used to regularly come to drill in the morning. For the uh, for the uh, color guard or the drill team, and the uh, uh, you know the uh, we had a uh, ROTC drill instructor from Fifth Army headquarters. He'd give the key to the arms rack to the cadet colonel, and he'd go have a cup of coffee. And there we were with all these World War II Private Ryan infantry weapons doing our thing, and nobody ever did anything untoward, or you could drop for push-ups. That kind well, of responsibility uh, was considered to be inherent. And can you imagine a scenario like that today? Of course not. Let me just jump in here because well, really yeah. I, I want mean, to get a response from. Everything has been turned upside down and inside out. Hang on, Lloyd. Hang on, George. I, uh, I love this guy. I love you. Ahead, you're, you're amazing. Yeah. You know, we need to. We need to. First of all, we need to change the national anthem. First of all, the word nation is not in the Constitution. We're a union, so it should be union instead of nation. It should be divisible instead of indivisible. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's interesting. You talk about, you know, the three branches of government. The, 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 the United States Supreme Court is we the people. That's our petition for regress of grievances, and that's what they've been pushing us away from with the, the Court of Claims. So 
the court, the United States Supreme Court can't do anything without we the people. So it's like we the people are the United States Supreme Court, and they are to make decisions keeping their oath of office. And so, uh, wow, what an interesting uh, background you have. Well, well just think comments. of how many people, if you ask them about things like um, uh, the jurisdiction, sovereignty, uh, you know, precedents, sure. uh, you, know, you ask them, they say, well, the states have to be subordinate to the federal government. And a lot of people actually believe this. They actually believe yeah. that the Constitution right. makes states subordinate. The federal government is supreme and above the states in everything, not in the things the Constitution makes it supreme in, but in everything. And they always have to yeah. defer to the states. And, and part of that impression is reinforced by the idea that the states can, the federal government can withhold federal funding if the states don't comply with whatever diktat the uh, federal government comes yeah. up with. So it's understandable people sure. have this notion, but it's got to be reversed. It's got to be changed. The Constitution is yeah. the supreme law of land, not the federal government. And we've got to keep emphasizing right. this to people. And they, they, I'm, it, it is one of the hardest concepts I know to get across. Why do you think they invested so much time in Storm Moon Dong in the 1619 Project? I mean, why? because they, they want to convince yeah. you our country didn't start in July 4, 1776. It started in 1619 when they bought the first slave ship over here. Yeah. Well, there's, and and it, you know, all the corruption has been funded. It's all been funded. It's such a original sin, everything that has followed since is illegitimate. This country is illegitimate. George Floyd was the they've catalyst they used. Yeah. I mean, okay. we know All what right. they've been doing. We, Let's, we, uh, George Floyd was the catalyst they used hold in on, order hold to illegitimate the very founding of this nation. Yeah, I want to I want to get back more to the Constitution. Just, I really appreciate your commentary, and you're welcome to to call the show anytime. Um, but so with Lloyd's time, I want to make sure we, we focus in on on the things that uh, uh, that we want to talk about here. Uh, Lloyd, I got a question for you. Uh, things that other sure. shows have brought up that we haven't covered. Is there anything that that we should know that uh, that some some other discoveries that other folks have made uh, that you want to share with us? Well, yeah, it's, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, I've been doing I've written a few books, pocket-sized books, and. Uh, this last one has everything in it. And I, to give an example of one of the discoveries, I was at a trade show, and it was a conservative kind of trade show situation. And I was in front of a, in front of a friend's table, and I would stop people and tell them about the book. I had the pocket constitution book with discoveries. And I remember this one individual that, that I stopped, and I says, Hi, my name's Lloyd Brunson, and I've discovered some revolutionary concepts within the Constitution that have never been published before, and they're vitally important. Can I share one of them with you? And he, he looked at me kind of funny, pulled out from his shirt pocket a tattered copy of the Constitution. I guess it was marked up and tattered and just really been used. And he says, he held it in front of my face. He says, you think you can tell me something I don't already know from this? I says, I think I can. He says, okay, go ahead. Give me your best <laughs> shot. And I says, well, the first ten amendments were defined by Congress as further declaratory and restrictive clauses to the Constitution. I think I found an interpretation clause. I think I found actually the word of God in the Constitution. It has his words in it, and it goes like this. The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. In other words, no misinterpreting or interpreting the document in ways that benefit government officials at the expense of the unalienable rights of the people. I said that to me was the voice of God when I wrote down that it was a discovery, and it's the interpretation clause. I even call it the Trump clause. 
And I told him that, and he looked at me, and he pulled out his wallet, handed me a 20, and took a book and walked away. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, see, but that's my contention that there is no interpretations clause in, in terms of the uh, uh, in terms of what the Supreme Court does. In fact, we have a bill to get rid of judicial review. We have another bill that, that mandates that all judges will inform their jurors of the power of jury nullification and that they can judge the laws and match them against the Constitution or even see if the laws are fair. Uh, in the case. And so those are a couple of our judicial reforms. But I, I don't see any interpretations clause as far as Article 3 goes. Well, you know, I'm, my brother actually has – one of the petitions that he had successfully docketed in the Supreme Court has to do with equitable maxim and the object principle of justice. And I think in the huh. 40s, the Supreme Court unconstitutionally uh, upheld the equitable maxim doctrine, which allows judges to not explain why they make decisions and that they can look at the face of a, of a complaint and just arbitrarily just say it's had unclean hands and just toss it without any liability or responsibility to it or without explanation. And so that's also one of the challenges in this petition is to get rid of equitable maxim. So, but what, what I'm saying is the Constitution cannot that – ninth, that Ninth Amendment basically is saying you can't willy-nilly interpret the Constitution. Any interpretation of the Constitution in a way that is disparaging our God-given unalienable rights is an unconstitu- is a wrong interpretation. I think it's a brilliant kind of uh, uh, mission statement. It's like in a contract. I think that's an incredible part of a contract. Like if you have a will and you say any interpretation of this will – that is used to, to deprive my heirs of what I've outlined in this constitution are null and void. So it sets up another kind of uh, 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 fail-safe. So if anyone goes and says, well, wait a minute, this part of the clause, blah, 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 you go, hey, look at this ninth amendment or this ninth addendum to the, to the, to the will. You can't do that. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And then the words shall not shall not be construed. To me, it was like the 11th commandment. It was like the voice of God. And who is the God of the Declaration of Independence? It's says divine intervention, you know. And who is the God of the Constitution? Who's the God of this land? Well, Article 7 of the Constitution tells us who it is. And it's what the second clause, second or third clause, memorializing the, our Lord, Jesus Christ, as in the years of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus never had anyone's heads chopped off if they didn't believe in him. He was a God of free choice and free will. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't out there forcing people to believe in him. He was saying, he, he was even saying, hey, do what I say and see if it works for you. And then you'll see. If it works for you, then I'm telling you the truth. If it's not, then, then don't do it. Then don't continue doing it. I mean, so it's a, there's some very interesting things in the Constitution. And those are, some of those are explained in my Q&A and in my, my pocket Constitution that you can get at 7 you know, it never ceases to amaze me that the uh, stronger the belief in God, the stronger the belief in freedom. Uh, and I've noticed that on this show over and over and over again. Uh, it just keeps – it gets proven to me every day, like today He's as well. He's a God of freedom. He is a – our God is yeah. a God of freedom. Yeah. Okay. Do you think we should develop a system of, of constitutional penalties? In other words, whereas Title 18, uh, Section 2, 241 um, prescribes penalties for, for any type of uh, restriction on the exercise or enjoyment of a right, should, would it be worth doing? Should we uh, – in statutory law or, or is there some other way to hold them accountable like you're doing with the court case? Well, sure. To violate your oath of office. Perjury laws. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Article okay. 3, Section 3, the definition of treason is giving aid and comfort to enemies of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. You know, isn't that how many people, what was Obama doing when he, 
Yeah, what was Obama doing when he said on national television the Constitution was fundamentally flawed? He was giving aid and comfort to enemies of the Constitution. He should have been arrested right then and, and tried for treason. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You put it on a, on a war footing. And you made a really fascinating statement in the case. Then we'll get to Warren, who's been patiently waiting as well, um, that this is, this is equivalent to an act of war. Is, this is a coup d'etat, and people don't talk about it. I talk about if anybody says, you know, Biden administration or, or Biden, uh, you know, President Biden, you're, you're aiding the coup. You're an accessory to the coup. You're justifying it by the use of your language. And so this is something that, uh, that we need to do, but we need to start calling it a coup and, and treating it like a coup. Our government was stolen. Our government stole our government. And the biggest perpetrator being Mike Pence, the first person in American history to steal an election for the other side. And we need to start talking in these terms. Boy. You're absolutely right. That was an act of war. The witnesses, the 100 witnesses, were basically saying, hey, it looks like an act of war here. Do you think we, should, we need to investigate it? And Mike Pence and all the others said, no, we don't need to investigate it. And it's like it's an act of war. We have evidence of an act of war, and you're not going to investigate it. And then you're giving aid and comfort to enemies. So you're absolutely right. Good point. Oh, thank you. Let's get to Warren, who's the host of another show on Block Talk Radio. Have you got a comment or a question? Warren, you're on with uh, Lloyd Brunson. And the rest of us. Yeah, I was uh, I was uh, listening uh, to Mr. Brunson uh, uh, talk, and I, I just want to say that I believe that Mr. Brunson and, and Greg and everybody, there's a naivete uh, Explain. about the Constitution. The oh, I can't wait for this. The Constitution was written by elite people for the benefit and welfare of the elite. Let me refer you okay, to Okay, I just have one quick book. question. I want, I want you to continue. I don't want to break you off, but I just have one question. Can you tell me yeah. how many amendments there are in the Constitution right now? Just tell me without looking it up. How many amendments uh, are there? About, about, about 24, I think, 24 amendments. Okay, you don't know what you're talking about, okay? Disconnect this guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't, know, he doesn't even know how many amendments there are in the Constitution. Well, uh, well, may I finish my point, Greg? About 24. You're telling me that I don't know the Constitution. I'm not even. You don't even know how many amendments there are. How many articles are there? there, there how many articles there are there? Historical, there is how many articles concept. are there in the Constitution? You are I'm, a fake. You are a fake. Greg, Go read the Constitution. Get this guy what, off the what? line. Why are you so insecure? I'm going to hang bro? up. If this guy, if this hack so hasn't gotten about? off the line, I'm going to hang up. What? what you're a, you're okay, a Warren, Warren, Warren. You don't know anything about time. the Constitution. We'll, we'll, we'll talk another time to Warren. <laughs> he, actually, we, had, we got into it the other day uh, over a bunch of economic and financial issues. So that's okay. I was just curious your response. And this I think guy, adequately well, he doesn't know how many amendments are. He, he doesn't have a right to talk about it. If he, he doesn't know how many amendments are, he doesn't have a right to talk about the Constitution. All right. Lloyd, well, I want you to finish. He disrupts every program he goes on and shows up on yours because nobody shows up on his. I told you. Well, that. he's a liar. He's a liar. He thinks he's, you know, he's, yeah, he's a provocateur, and I shouldn't have given him the time of day. But that's okay. Well, it's just interesting that there's so many people are out there that those are the folks we need to get to. I mean, when we preach to the choir the whole time, yeah, we agree with sure. this. We need the sure. independence in the middle. But every once in a while. They, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, if they're going to claim they know the Constitution, they better know how many amendments there are. You know, or they don't I know what they're it. talking about, and they're wasting our time. So it's yeah. like, go, go to hell. Go, go read the Constitution, then come back on. You go. I you look it. at the title of his show. He's anti-whiteness. So if you want to have a show, yeah. show, Jet Greg, it's your show. <laughs> no, it's okay. I don't I mean, like, I like liars. Like I like I like honest people to to show an opposite opinion. But I'm not going to put up with liars. I'm not going to yeah. discuss anything yeah. with liars. 
So, well, I, I love it that right now that we need to shine the light and and be able to speak up. We've all been so inundated with people telling us that we can't speak out, we can't call out corruption. I, I'm tired of it, and I, I really appreciate that, Lloyd, that you do. I think it's important. Thanks. I think that we need to take our country back because it's sure we have to speak up. Well, sure. And these people have no knowledge. They're claiming to be the smart ones and having a position. He calls me naive, and he doesn't even know what the Constitution is. And I've, I'm, I've published books on the Constitution. I'm an author. That means authority. Has he published any books? Obviously not. He doesn't even know how many amendments are in the Constitution. So it's like I don't want to give people yeah. the time of day to come yeah, up no, like that. Oh, it's it's too much. What's your next step? They're liars. Yeah. yeah. Jackie? Are you giving them too much time? What's your next? What's so? Where are we at now? What's our next step? And uh, yeah, what if January sixth doesn't well, work? Tell them about your. Go? Yeah, go ahead, Diane. Oh, I was just going to say, tell them who you're interviewing with at one o'clock, Lloyd. Oh, well, we can do that too. But I'll be on Infowars at one o'clock. That's I'll be on Infowars with with Kate Daly at one o'clock, but. Uh, yeah, so it's about education. Go to Seven Discoveries, get that pocket constitution, their questions and answers, and you'll know more than people on Capitol Hill in like five minutes. Just knowing about the oath is more than they know. I mean, and it's like money. Congressman Allen West should have had the answer to that. And my the, the documentary, we, my brothers and I did a little documentary in 2010, and we asked Mike Lee what the penalty was for breaking the oath of office, and he says you lose the election. It's like Mike, you don't have, you can just say you don't know. Why do you have to make something <laughs> up? You know, we want honest, chimney. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the Democrat candidate, I asked him, and he says, oh, what oath? He says, oh well, my oath, and he made up an oath. And it's like. People are telling me it was so hilarious because they see my look on my face. I'm looking at the camera and go, what the hell? He's a U.S. Senate candidate. He doesn't even know there's an oath of office. You know, it's like we're so, we're so ignorant. So it's so easy. My, my Constitution book will save so much time. We're talking years connecting the dots because they wouldn't connect because there were contradictions like taxation is, is, is opposite, is in contradiction with the last line of the fifth. So how do you, how do you answer that question of, of the last line of the fifth and then taxation? And so it connects dots and makes things much easier to understand. In a way, the Constitution has been locked, even by our conservative constitutionalists, because of the contradictions. And this book at 7discoveries.com unlocks it all and just lays it out like a puzzle coming together in complete form. So that's the thing is, uh, is get the book, look at the Q&A, and just start learning some of these most powerful concepts. It's like I tell people, I say, if you were to ask our representative right now to show you a clause in the Constitution that prohibits socialism, they wouldn't be able to do it unless they had this book. And that would be the 13th Amendment, involuntary servitude is against the law, and every, you know, is against the law, and the last cool. line of the fifth, nor shall your private property, which includes your money, be taken for public use without just compensation. And then that raises a lot of questions that are answered in the book. So it's just like, yeah. So what if, we, what if we made an amendment to remove those last three words for just compensation? What if we just said that private property shall not be taken by government? Uh, well, just compensation actually fixes that because it's got to be just. and it's got. Well, you go into the Constitution, you can see exactly the limited amount of real estate that the federal government can own. So mm-hmm. if we follow the Constitution, all the national parks need to be given back to the states or the people. We did that. And all uh, do you know Roger property. Roots, uh, fully informed jury association? <laughs> Roger Roots uh, out of Wyoming, I think. He was on the show for two hours talking about that. I mean, I'll send right you that show. Exactly. Yeah. The federal yeah. government. 
The federal government taking state land, then giving them leases to explore and extract natural resources from their own land is just totally ridiculous. Uh, it's unbelievable. And the reservations, too, the Native American reservations, too. The stripping of the oath is gonna, could fix all that. These, all these people that have been engaged in this corrupt, non-constitutional behavior can be held accountable retroactively. And monetarily, they can be held accountable. They can, we can go after damages. So this stripping of the oath is a huge thing. Uh, people need to realize it would open up the floodgates to hold these people accountable. And there's a lot of cleaning. There's a lot of valves to be shut off and a lot of mopping up. But once we start doing that and, and do it, it's going to be a whole new world. Well, I'm behind you 100%. Um, Pianchi asked a question earlier, though. It's a good question. Um, what if? You know, so, the, so the options are January 6th, either the court takes the case or they don't take the case. What, what, are, you, what are your contingencies either way? Well, personally, like I said, I think it's already happening. I think, this, okay. I think the, there's going to be a court order uh, to the U.S. Marshal Service. The Marshal Service will deliver a court order to the sergeant-in-arms with a list of credentials to be canceled. 387 federal credentials will be canceled, and then special ops will go to the federal communications director's office and set those, those three people aside to take over, and then special broadcast teams will go to the broadcast houses and take over the broadcasting temporarily until we get this whole thing fixed. And then the licenses could be put up for auction with very well-vetted applicants for those licenses to make sure that they are capable of, of protecting and defending the Constitution, which is what the Federal Communications Commission is supposed to be enforcing. And uh, then military, there could be special, you know, if once see, the news is a big part of this, part of this uh, Antifa, all these violent acts that happen and people go, oh, the, all the, the, a lot of stuff could break loose. Well, we can see that if the police, if simply if the police had been allowed, if their hands hadn't been tied, there wouldn't have been any of that. There wouldn't have been any fires or vandalism because they would have nipped it in the bud right at the get-go. In Provo, a friend of mine was shot downtown Provo driving on his way to Home Depot by a group of Antifa fanatics that, where there was no police presence because our mayor called them down, had them not show up. And it's like ridiculous. It's, it's, yeah, it's, ridiculous. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So, so this, could be, this could be a smooth transition, and I hope it's happening right now. But if it's not, I mean – if it was a regular petition, what happens is they go to conference, and if it moves forward, then they decide whether to um, uphold the dismissal decision or reverse it. And if they reverse it, they could remand it back to the federal court of Utah, and then all the 388 defendants would have to answer interrogatories and, uh, and comply with deposition requests and uh, – and uh, they would the discovery would take place. That cost ten, twenty, how many millions of dollars? Congress would could get involved, but it's like it's too late for that. This is a national emergency, and they've already categorized this complaint as such, the petition as such. So I think we've got to see some action. I'm thinking we're going to turn on the TV. We're going to see new faces, and then <laughs> most oh, so many awesome. people are not even. So many people are not even engaged in politics. They're going to think it was because of the election we have a new president. That, that's what they'll wow. think, because you, how many people don't even know the difference between a state, a state senator and a U.S. senator? And another thing is we call U.S. House members Congress. The Senate, the senators are Congress, too. It's like we've got to start getting our terms correct. The U.S. House is not – it's part of Congress. It's not the Congress. The U.S. House is – what are you? Are you a member of Congress? Yes, I'm a, a U.S. House member. I'm a representative. And so they shouldn't call them members of Congress. They should call them U.S. House members and U.S. Senate members to just start 
cleaning up the confusion. I think that these terms and definitions that are so confusing are therefore to confuse people and push them out with the corruption. So the good, honest people just are pushed out of the political process, and stripping the immunity would fix that. The crooks would no longer want to run for office. The rats would run when the lights come on, and honest, good moral people would want to run for office because they are the types that would not be afraid of being of having a binding oath and they're the type of people that would lay down their lives for this country for the republic for the constitution of the united states so we just need to this would this would i'll tell you this this supreme court case could completely put us on the correct course Oh, this is why it's so awesome. fascinating, uh, especially if we get to do the legislative end uh, at our end. Is we, we could, I see us as well, Absolutely. Two, you know, two parts oh, of the same, uh, same part. goal, and we just need to bring yeah. everybody else in Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Um, do you have any thoughts on the Trump electors? Because we've done several shows since uh, December 15, 2020, and the fact that the state legislatures have put forward uh, Trump electors. And, and uh, well, let me just ask that, and then I'll get the second part of the question. Yeah, I don't have any comment on that, actually, so we can go on and check in part. <laughs> Okay. Well, well, the next thing is, is uh, if Trump, you know, is restored to office, uh, my reading of the Twenty Second Amendment is that if he serves less than uh, two years, then he's able to run again. It won't be counted as a full term. So if he is reinstated and he comes back January twentieth of, of next year or earlier, that'll make two years before the twenty twenty you know, uh, serving in the, the you know uh, to run the twenty twenty four election. Well, but if he if he takes office January twenty first or later, it's less than two years. And the twenty second amendment sort of says it's not direct, it's it's close. It says that, that it wouldn't count as a term and he could easily run in twenty twenty four for a full term. Yeah, that's I mean that's uh, something the Supreme Court has to figure out. Okay. Yeah, he was if if they if yeah, he, he did not participate in, in pushing back against the investigation. And he was damaged and all of us were damaged. So it, we need to have the last two years made up for. I mean we were damaged these last two Ooh. years and so how do we do that? Some, what are we owed and by whom? Who's gonna pay it? Who's gonna pay my well, my, that's, my that's gasoline what, that's, bill and uh, the lack of trade? Who's gonna pay my inflation back? Well exactly. Well that's why I suggest that uh, instead of the huge tax returns for people who have been right. paying in and damaged that uh, okay. the Treasury could, uh, you know, once we take over the nonprofit, once we take over the Federal Reserve, there's a tremendous amount of trillions in assets, real assets. And those assets could be used to start refunding uh, damages and taxpayers. They'd have to figure that have out. But I think that would be a the treasury should absolutely be the federal reserve absolutely okay, the federal reserve has been uh, violating their nonprofit status it's embezzlement is what it is uh, huh. alan grayson yeah. congressman alan grayson told me to write the book and he says bring a lawsuit against the federal reserve they've been violating their nonprofit status they've been i would abolish them but that's the, the, uh, i'll money. take a lawsuit let's get diane in the conversation they've weaponized so many different you know the fbi the ATF and the IRS, they've all been yeah. weaponized, and they need to be cleaned out. We yeah, have a bill scary. for that, if I may interject a bill, that would disarm yes. all federal bureaucrats. Uh, this is see, the military can be armed, that's their job. But there's no provision in the Constitution, speaking of uh, the Tenth Amendment, for anybody other than the military to be armed. So all these armed agents from the FBI, DEA, everybody, all of them, the SWAT teams at the Department of Education and, and the weather people have a SWAT team, please. Uh, so my bill would strip them of their arms, and those arms would then go to the civilian marksmanship program to be distributed back to the people who bought those arms, the taxpayers. How's that for now? 
Well, sure. Yeah, that's Article 8. You know, the government has the power to fund armies, and this, that's part of the disciplining well, the militia and every citizen. That, yeah, yeah. exactly. That, that sounds great. Okay. Yeah, sounds great. Or, like, give it back to our militia, right? Well, you could put, actually you could put it under militia acts, but the whole reason of the, of the citizen marksmanship program is it's an already existing program. It's already been approved by Congress. Uh, you have to prove that you're an American citizen and be in a marksmanship program. So we're actually, if anybody says, well, you're just giving arms to criminals and everybody. No, it's a qualified program. I was in it, you know, and so I, so I know about it. But uh, it being pre-approved, that's the reason I picked that as, as the source of, uh, of distribution of, of illegal federal arms, their guns and ammunition. Hundreds of thousands of guns and billions of rounds of ammunition could go back oh, to the civilian yeah. marksmanship program directly to the citizens, us. All you have to do is join us. That's beautiful. Local, yeah, well, we try I'd to make join tomorrow. Choice. That sounds fantastic. That's, uh, that's brilliant. Well, thank you. <laughs> we have our moments here. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah let's uh, give the government back to we the people, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the idea. Okay. Um, I, I think uh, we've had so much time with you. It's been great. I, I ran out of questions a while ago. I'm just uh, but I'm having way too much fun to see if there's anything else. Let's go to Diane again and then Pianchi and then uh, um, I've sort of muted my other folks here just because I want to, I want to keep us on, on track here. Uh, well, let me ask you a question. And I think of it. Uh, the Morphy Harper case is also in the Supreme Court now, too. That's the one where the, uh, the state court, state Supreme Court in North Carolina, said they're not going to take the state legislator's plan for the, the districts which they're constitutionally bound to do because state legislatures draw the maps. Right. Uh, and then right. they said, no, we're going to do it instead. So just like the, the governors and the secretaries of state have taken over, you know, during the whole COVID regulation and, and bogusly frauded the election with, with all the stuff they did. Are you familiar with that case? Is that working with your case? Just a little what bit. There's nothing, we're not connected, but it just coincidentally okay. that it's there at the same time ours is. Now, remember all these people are going to be uh, civilly liable and criminally liable. Every mm-hmm. uh, every single one of them, what they've been doing the last several years, this is this could be retroactive, where they are then culpable and accountable for the civilly and criminally for what they've been doing. So this is going to be a lot of cleanup. I'll tell you, it might be a good time to be graduating from law school because there's going to be a lot of work for you. <laughs> well, actually, I'm trying to get to the national trial lawyers because I figured they'd be natural lobbyists for two of our bills. One, full vaccine product liability on Big Pharma. And the second one, I haven't even told you, this is the one that cleans up Section 230. And it says that uh, big tech still retains their immunity from anything that anybody posts and any, any of the user of social media and search engines. But what it says is it makes that immunity conditional. If they touch anything anybody posts, if they touch a comment, if they touch anybody's account in any way, if they shadow ban algorithm, if they do anything to the results of a search engine beyond, you know, recording the posting by the, the raw number of hits, if they do any of those things, if they cross that line and touch in any way, the users of social media and search engines, the net immunity goes away and they can be sued. So we don't need any trust. We don't need a, a federal regulatory agency. We don't need a bunch of new laws. We don't need bureaucrats. Most of my solutions don't cost money. This is a simple case of, of whether if somebody, if the big tech violates anybody's impinges in any way or infringes in any way on, on, on uh, social media and search engines, then they can be sued. That would control them. Simple bill, four lines. What do you think? I love it. I love it. And their immunity is unconstitutional anyway, so it can be challenged. Well, you can give liability immunity as long as you make it conditional. I don't think you can – I don't know. How does that – well, maybe you more know, know more than I do about that. I don't – yeah, I, I think they're – liability they're unconst- is federal, immunity yeah. unconstitutional? I don't know that Well, that's it is. why we have insurance. You don't have okay. immunity when you're driving a car. You have insurance. 
Well, immunity from from, from civil lawsuit. It's it's only it's not immunity. It's not a blanket immunity. It's only immunity from being sued for what somebody posts. In other words, the phone company. You, if if you say someone on the phone line, you know, threatens or a cell phone, you know, threatens a public official, that's a felony. Well, we don't arrest the phone company for that. So there, there's a separate. No, unless there. they enabled and unless they participated in enabling the person, then they're subject to liability. Well, that's true. What, if they the same provided way, the phone and they were cons- they they were involved in a conspiracy, then they would be liable. So, okay. but it's like, you, do you have any immunity personally? I don't. We the people don't have any immunity. That's a good point. We do something. That, and mm-hmm. another thing too, a, a form of immunity is you can be countersued for malicious litigation. That's mm. a form of immunity. Okay. Well, let's take a look at the bill and see if you want to make comments too. See, all our bills are able to. Yeah. Be this is the beauty of I'm the thing go electronics. To yeah. I'm going to go to writeyourlaws.com. You guys sound totally right in exactly what I want to <laughs> Well, let me, let me tell you how it works. I'll give you a quick introduction. Well, thank you, Diane. The, the homepage is, is the basic instructions. The next section is legislation. The first one is propose a new law. That's where you can write a bill. The second one is citizen bill ideas. That's our workshop. That's like our committee hearing where we work on the bills, take comments, amend them. Mm-hmm. And then when they're ready to be submit, the uh-huh. third section, all proposed laws. Those are the good ones. We even wrote an Australian bill of individual rights. Uh, with uh, with the freedom activists in Australia, so we're international already. So the bills, the good ones, just sounds fantastic. Yeah. Who yeah, started we've been, this? We've been at this? Who a while. started write your laws? Uh, are me. you who are you the founder? Who are the, man? That's kind awesome. of me. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it all Greg. falls on me. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that's thank terrific. You. Wow. I like what he, what Greg does is simplify everything because it, it seems like the powers that be when they make everything so complicated and that's when they tend too many things when you make eight hundred page bills and or thousands of pages of bills in Congress and even yeah. you know like reading credit card statements and you have to sign off for your terms and conditions. I mean, who reads this stuff? You know, and they've slipped in so many things that we don't even understand and that, you know, the normal person doesn't even look at or read. They just sign and we're signing away our rights and we need to simplify. We need everything simplified. Yeah. I think yeah, it's complicated like for a reason. Half a page. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you might have like, yeah, I think they complicate it to confuse yeah. people. So they'll just, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah they, it's complicated cheap. to confuse us. <laughs> right. And Absolutely. like the political system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lloyd, do you have any questions for well, us I, now that you got us here? I think we're good. This has been great. I was just going to hang <laughs> until you say it's we're done. Okay, we're almost done. We're, they're <laughs> going to cut us off in in, uh, in twelve minutes anyway. So I want to make sure just a couple minutes okay. beforehand we get uh, contact and things like that. But uh, one more this thing. Has been fabulous. Sure. Go ahead, Diane. Feel free. I've we been got 12 I've been following you on uh, on the Telegram. I've been following you on if people want to follow you uh, in your case and all the different people that you get interviewed by. On Telegram, it's Brunson Brothers SCOTUS. Looks like you've already that's got correct. over six thousand people on this, and that's you haven't even been up on that one very long, have you? No, it's just a few days. Yeah, and you've already got six thousand subscribers calling all over to interview you. <laughs> is, yeah, I'm a little awesome. backed up, but I need I'll catch up. <laughs> yeah, oh, we got the Telegram channel. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead, Bianchi. What's the Telegraph channel? Brunson it Brothers is SCOTUS, called... is that what it is? Yes. Brunson Brothers Brothers. Brunson, B-R-U-N-S-O-N, Brothers SCOTUS. And there's another one, uh, We Stand for America. 
I don't, 22 okay, I don't, I'm not familiar with that, but what is that? We uh, stand for I America. Think it's maybe one to defend. It's a lot of defense Florida people on that one. It's We Stand for America okay. 22-380. That's okay. another I don't, channel. Yeah, I don't think that's a Telegram it, channel that's affiliated with us, but it's good for them. It's a good one. I mean, it's got a lot of... It, yeah, it great. Talks, I, great. Yeah, it, yeah. It, people get into numbers in a lot and of stuff. And biblical, yeah. It's interesting that uh, the United States Supreme Court, I have an email that I got from my brother who got it from the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals, who got it uh, from the United States Supreme Court. And it's just simply saying to the Supreme Court that we've, we've docketed this, case, this uh, petition, number 22-380. And, then, and I haven't quite figured this out yet, but then they assigned a different number to the same, the same, the same um, document, uh, 22-4007. So the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals docket number is 4007, 22-4007. So if you do a Supreme Court doc of search, you'll you can type in 22-4007, and it'll take you exactly to the same place that 22-380 takes you. And I'm not really into numbers, but it's interesting enough. Someone's pointed out that both both those sets equal 15. That 22-380, those numbers, if you add them together, they're 15, and then the 22-4007 is 15. And then some of the same, four brothers in 007. It's kind of fun. <clears throat> we, you can also reach us on Action Radio Election Integrity Project on Facebook. So I, I will keep up with, you know, as much as I can on there. And if, you, if anyone would like to write letters to the Supreme Court, all the information is on there for the Brenton Brothers address and for Supreme Court address. So please write your letters in, just uh, two letters, and we're going to swap the Supreme Court. And also the uh, amicus brief. If there's any attorneys out there that would like to write a friend of the court amicus brief, please do so. And well, we've done that before. Let I me mean, jump back in here. Got... We've actually done that. We, in a previous case, Jonathan Mosley, who's, our, who's an attorney, criminal defense attorney in Washington, and does our legal report. We actually were on a previous case uh, as friend of the court. So we're absolutely going to do that. If, uh, do you know, what, what, what point in the process would we do that, file a friend of the court brief? Why? Oh, I'm sorry. What was your question again? Oh, that's okay. No problem. Yeah, we, <laughs> I get distracted with different things during the show, too. Uh, a friend of the court brief. At, uh, we, we've done that before. We've, uh, Action Radio has already been a party on friend of the court briefs to the Supreme Court. And you mentioned court. an attorney that helps you, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jonathan Mosley. So, I'll get you guys connected, too. Um, what point in the process would we put in a friend of the court brief? Do we wait until oh, right January 6th or what? Right now? No, no, okay. no, no, no. You do it before they, before they make a decision at conference. Okay. Yes. But even if people feel like it's a little too late, do it anyway. Okay. And uh, just to make it heartfelt, you know, yeah. explain your position, you personally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how else can we help? I how think help? I think they have to. I, yeah, channel. we'll go to sevendiscoveries.com. Go to sevendiscoveries.com and and download whatever you feel like downloading there, and uh, that would be. Yeah, that's, that's where we do in front of the court brief. Okay. I'll, I'll talk to Jonathan about I'm, that. You can, I've been I a lot can, lucky yeah. and I'm not married. I'd be in trouble. But what's that other channel? Uh, I've got the Brunson Scotus. What's the other one she made mention of? Oh, the Telegram? Oh, on Telegram? Okay. Yes. Hang on a minute. Let me look at it. 
Well, I'll tell you what we do. Let's, let's get all of them in one place. We're going to have to go in five minutes anyway. So just, uh, Lloyd, if you just kind of sum up all, all the, the channels, or we'll just kind of go one by one just so people have one place. Because when, when this is podcast, which it will be you know, about five minutes after we end the show, uh, and we'll get your copy of it. Uh, I think you probably already have the link already, um, but that'll allow people to repeat it, and they can make sure they have the contact information. So we'll do that in just a little bit. Pianki, you had the, were you asking about contact stuff too? We should probably do that now. We'll see that if we can. We we'll got about six. I don't minutes. know. I was just wanting to know the other channel, the uh, Telegraph channel. Okay. Uh, and I want to know how we can help. Let's, let's do all the communication right now. So, Loy, if you can run us through uh, um, the books, the websites, the the Telegram, all that stuff, we'll just put that all in one place. Okay, sevendiscoveries.com, and then the Telegram channel is Brunson Brothers SCOTUS. That stands for Supreme Court of the U.S. And then you can, at sevendiscoveries.com, you can get the hardbound exact what a copy of what the Supreme Court justices are going taking to conference that they're reviewing right now for $30, a $30 gift at the site. And for a $1,000 gift, for those of you with deep pockets, uh, you can get a signed a signed one with the four Brunson brothers signing the petition mm-hmm. for it, a certiorari that'll come to you in the mail that includes him. And we try to throw in some Christmas music too in that if we have oh. any left. Oh, trumpet <laughs> concertos. And, uh, see, I play tuba, so I, I could, we could make this a, a oh, brass cool. uh, quintet here. Yeah, four trumpets and a tuba. That'd be interesting. Great. Yeah, um, we should your do book. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, your books. And your then, books yeah, the cool. seven, the, the pocket-sized book that contains the Q and A and the discoveries and talking about, you know, money and all that, that's available at sevendiscoveries.com. It's now the 2023 edition, and we're getting a bunch more copies in the next few days. I think we've run out, but we're getting more in real soon. That's available, too, I think, for $15. If you want a bunch of them, you can get a discount. And there's a phone number on the website, too. If you call and leave a message or a text, I'll get back to you if you want. If you have a special group and you want a bunch of them, but you don't want to, you know, you want to get a good discount so that you can get more of them, that's possible, too. So 7discoveries.com, and there's a phone number on the site, and there's opportunities to download the full complaint. You can't download the petition, but you can get a hard copy of that. So... Uh, that sounds good. All right, well, let's let's that's end here because I have uh, all right, Diane. One more comment because I, I actually want to try and squeak in a couple of the the commercials that I haven't played a whole show because we've been having way too much fun. <laughs> Go ahead, Diane. Uh, the uh, Bianchi wanted the uh, Bianchi wanted the we stand we stand for America and then it's the case number twenty two dash three eighty. We stand for America twenty two dash three eighty. That's on Telegram. Okay. Lloyd, any, any comments sum up to how, oh, sorry, go ahead, Diane. Oh, I just wanted to tell Lloyd I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to keep working with you. Thank you so much for coming on today. Well, and thank for all you you've done. for working and with please, me. And please thank your brothers for us, too. And I'd love to hear you all Absolutely. Play. Okay, great. And if you feel like you'd like an update, feel free to reach out to me. And, and if you want me to come back on the show. Okay, you're always welcome back on the show. You can just call in. You don't even have to ask. Great. You know, uh, so just feel free okay. to, to drop in. I'm sure Diane will be in touch. I'll be in touch. And we'll start working on bills Great. when you have Absolutely. a chance because I know you're going to be busy with a court case Great. for a while. Okay. Good. Super. Thank you all. Super. You guys are amazing. Thank you for this opportunity. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, what you're doing is so important. And I'm excited to get with writeyourlaws.com, Greg, and, uh, and work with you guys. This will be a blast. I'll see if we no can get kidding. it to get some stuff to every home in America, 160 million homes in America. Huh. That, I, love it. I own the trademark like every true. home in America. So, great. Break, 
Break the censorship. Yeah. And that's W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. WriteYourLaws.com. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Lloyd. Oh. Yep. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you're you. Here. Appreciate it. Great. Awesome. Right. You too, guys. Hey, Thank luck. you all. Thanks. Okay. Let me Thank play you. a couple of things, and then we'll Thanks just sit back it. and kick back and, huh, wasn't that amazing? <laughs> that was too much fun. <laughs> all right. Let me play some stuff, and I'll see you all tomorrow at uh, 7 a.m. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.